Hello, everyone, and welcome to an extra special episode of Hotline League. It's not. You can't keep saying this. Well, this is special because it's going to be probably a little shorter, and it's a themed episode. When We don't get to do too many of these themed episodes, you know, because normally we've got so many things to talk about, and uh, this time we don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's special in the sense that, like the last couple, we're in the middle of Dead Patch. Uh, Europe finally finished their season, and now we have yet another basically month before world starts plans begins the 10th i think the fourth place eu versus na match is the ninth then because i think it's the day before yeah Uh, yep (laughs) so mark do you want to provide the context on why you might be a little loopy this episode yeah, so uh, like I was saying before the, the show started, and I've said a couple times over the past weeks, Ashley has had jury duty. It has finally ended today, but uh, it was a rough turnaround because she worked overnight from Saturday into Sunday, and I stayed up for that. And then I basically got up at like 6 o'clock on Sunday, 6 p.m. on Sunday, and then had basically been up until noon on Monday because she had to be awake for jury duty. And then I dropped her off and picked her up, and then I, I just like to look at little sleep so i've slept about three hours today um yep you didn't have time to sleep like during the day i slept for three hours during the day okay okay because i had as i told you i had like a meeting or two oh that's right that's right okay uh well welcome back to life so here's what (laughs) this episode's gonna be folks uh first off i think it'll be a fun episode one because mark is gonna be loopy so who knows what he's gonna accidentally let slip and say that he shouldn't and he'll later regret but secondly, I was trying to, to think about, you know, what are we going to talk about today? Because there's not too much that has happened. Uh, there was a drawing that occurred uh, yesterday. But other than mm-hmm. that, it's not been, there's not been a lot. And then I was looking at the League of Legends subreddit, my favorite place ever. And there was a big old thread up at the top of it because, you know, it's a Monday. And it's time to talk about LCS dying. Uh or quote-unquote dying. It's an extreme version of it. And this thread said, if LCS is, the title is, if LCS is ever going to get revitalized, we need to remember how LOL Esports and NA even got big and popular to begin with. My opinion is that LCS should lean into a more community-driven grassroots feeling and drop the delusions of grandeur of trying to emulate major sports like NFL. And there's a bunch of stuff in this thread, both in the original post that I agree with and a bunch of it that I disagree with, and then in the comments, there's even more that I agree or disagree with. And <laughs> hang in there, Mark. It's going to be a great episode. Oh, yeah, we're doing it. Oh. And so what, what – and these t- conversations occur all the time. And every now and then on the show, we'll get, like, one call that's like, oh, the LCS needs to move to Chicago. If it just moved to Chicago, everything would be great. They or, should just undo franchising. Just undo, unwind those $10 million Undo franchising machine. or stuff like – like, one of the comments in here – that's really high upvoted is like publishers are should not be involved in the management of their esport which i just think is so fuck yeah the top second top comment is from barrington 12 back in the early days of esports capital e space sports apparently the games that really hit it off and became the biggest games csgo starcraft etc all grew up naturally with very little developer interference those days are pretty much long go- gone now any new esports title is basically forced as an esport e 
space, capital S sport, by the developer who wants to total control and they live and die based on the ineptitude of their developer. For example, everything everything esport related that Blizzard has ever laid their hands on. And there's just a bunch of comments in there too that talk about how like you don't want developers in there. Developers ruin everything. People here that are like, oh, developers are at odds with the esport, etc., uh, which I I really disagree with. Um, but like, oh, their their incentives are different, and I think there's a lot to talk about in all of this. And uh, my buddy Mark, as cognizant as he is right now, is going to be a person that I want to discuss this with. And then I think so. We'll have a, a brief discussion about all that. And then we'll also take some calls from all of you on it. And uh, this this episode might end up being closer to the hour and a half mark rather than like maybe two hours because, uh, again, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to just drag the show out and make a not great show for because we're like, oh, it has to be two hours. But that's where we're going to be. We'll see how it goes. Oftentimes I say that and then these episodes end up being great. So... Uh, and then I also have some updates on what I'm going to be doing at Worlds, which I have not talked to Mark about yet, so he and I can have a discussion about that. Um, and yeah, there we go. So, Mark, yes. I first want to shout out Alienware for sponsoring the show. Uh, we'll talk more about them later. Secondly, Mark, I want yes. to ask you what you've been doing this past week besides living in a weird temporal paradox. Uh, Baldur's Bait. I've been playing that. I'm up to 160 hours uh, on my first playthrough. I my quest log is shrinking, and it's not going to get bigger. I, I'm coming towards the end. It's getting down to like the last couple character uh, quests I need to round out before I do the big finale. Uh, it's probably top three games I've ever played. It's so fucking good. And the writing and a lot of the act three reveals. I know you're not there. I won't say anything. But oh what a what a what a masterclass of writing. And I can't wait for you to get there so we can talk about it. I was just so I'm about forty hours in. I was just uh playing it before the show started and I'm in the underdark. Uh and I because I was told <laughs> that I skipped the underdark and I need to go back and do it. I just did a whole thing with a, I won't say, this is the only thing I'll say, a forge, which you can probably fill in the blanks on. And you, you smash something with a yes. forge? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, that's what I was doing just now, but I really enjoyed, I've been really, really enjoying it. I Actually, the funny thing is, I shouldn't say that. I've been really enjoying it, but I took a five-day uh, break from it because I forgot to hit F5. Oh, and I lost no. about 45 minutes of time. And that is one of my biggest complaints with the game, as great as it is, is that it just does not autosave often enough. And if you're just like zoning out, doing your thing or whatever, and you forget to hit F5, then something goes wrong and you're like, why? Uh, I'm launching Baller's Gear now to see how many saves I have. I think it's well over a thousand. Well, they <laughs> they cap the quick saves uh, in the settings. You actually have to go in and like change it so that it goes beyond like 25 or something. So. You get like twenty five quick saves and twenty five, uh, like auto saves or something. Uh, that might have been patched. I, I don't know if that's still true. And people in the uh, chat are telling me. I mean, I looked at it literally yesterday because people in the chat say that say always say this thing, which I'm seeing right now, which is like you can change a setting to have it auto update more regularly. No, you can only tell it to give to to keep more auto saves or quick saves. You can't. Yeah, I I think it's it's pretty clear when it auto saves like a. 
big story things about to happen. It's a bit of a yeah. tell. And other than that, it doesn't do it. And there's plenty of like minor story things or just quests or combat encounters where you're like, well, fuck me. Yeah. Um, it definitely doesn't save as much as I want to. <laughs> I, I, I would say I'm a safe scummer for like two reasons. One is like, I really just like clicking the bad options sometimes and seeing what happens. You, yeah. know, you know, like role playing wise, it's not my character or playthrough would do at all. Um, so like, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's safe scumming technically, but like at the same time, I eh, fuck it. I just want to experience this game fully and completely as much as I can the first time before seeing all the variations I, I have. So yeah, you're right. I, there's only 25 actual saves in there, but I have saved 1,081 times. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. You're much better at hitting that than I did. So Dude, anyway, I'm I... so fast on the F5. Anytime that there's a dialogue choice where I'm like, something might happen or... Because you can save... in oh, The thing I appreciate about the games, you can save you literally see... anywhere. Anytime. Yeah, yeah. And I do that. It's just every now and then I, I forget. And it was it was a funny thing where I was playing and then I... I ended that situation. I rage quit the game and then five days later I was like, why haven't I played in a while? And I open up the game and I see where what has happened, and I'm like, "Oh, that's right, you mother." Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, that, I think I had one of those two pretty early on. I was like, "I am pressing F5 every fucking time now." Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think for me it was a it might have been a bug. I think like a quest bugged out, and I yes. tried it again. Yeah, um, we, we'll catch up. I have a funny bug story to tell you that I was streaming and it was a two hour long stream where nothing happened essentially because of a bug. Yeah, um, I. On, on the bug thing, I yeah. waited until patch two hit before diving into act three. Uh, and so I can't say how bad it was before. But this time, it as I'm playing right now, it's pretty good. There's uh, people complain about like the reactivity. There's still plenty. There's sometimes where you do something, you're like, what happened, guys? And they don't say anything. But I, it makes sense given how big act three is. Act three is fucking massive. Yeah. And uh, I think the only real bugs I've seen at this point is like just dialogue sometimes doesn't quite match yes where, I've seen that where you're at times. yeah yeah so like you know you'll do something and then like someone's dialogue will trigger from something earlier in the day and you'll be like huh or like you weren't there for that or i had one thing where i saved some people and then i i triggered the dialogue and this guy's like my daughter's dead and i was like dude i definitely saved her yeah, yeah. um but like it's it's pretty minor stuff uh, there's a couple ass encounters. There's a couple like little things that that it's like clear Act Three is not quite at the same level, but it's it's really not nearly much of a step down. So the the two other things I did this past week uh, that I'll just mention one. So I hosted a big old thing. I invited Mark to it. He he turned me down unsurprisingly, but I hosted a big old uh, Magic the Gathering Wilds of Eldraine sort of launch party for the new set that was sponsored by Wizards, which was really cool because they gave us a ton of product. And if you go look, you'll see on on Twitter, but like we had a ton of people come out. So Zell, Josh's old collab or oh, Josh, Mark's old collaborator, Zell, came out and played with us and had a good time. Broden from came down from the celebrity high rope and hung out with us all day and played magic. We did this at the Alienware training facility and we had even some magic folks come out too, which was really cool. So that was just a whole Saturday thing. And that was a really great time. We had a ton of people come out. It was super fun. Um, then the other thing I did last week was I saw uh, Mission Impossible, which I thought was really good. Um, so it's, I don't know. The first Mark, one? No. Have you seen the one that's in theaters right now? 
Dude, I so it's it's got I know you're not a review guy, but like it's got a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like that was the funny thing is that like I kept checking when Barbie and Oppenheimer came out and like they were both sitting in the low 90s and I was like, "Okay." And then like just crushing them was Mission Impossible. I feel like nobody saw it because it came out like a week before those things and it got, you know, just like it just got destroyed by the memes, but uh it was really good. I saw it with Drew um cuz I'm trying to make use of my AMC Stubbs pass and I I I I don't know you're grinning like you're you're like No, oh. I I just want I just want to reviews. Bottoms has a 94% by critics and 90% by audiences. Yeah, I wanted to see it. But you know it's not at the theater near us and Bottoms. and I I we're going to go see it on Wednesday because starting Thursday it's in no AMC's in LA. Wait, like, bottoms isn't yeah you like i went and looked for like for uh i was like oh maybe i'll buy a ticket for thursday and it's just not available in any L- theater in la starting on at, at least for what AMC. happened did it just come out like a, a two weeks ago yeah it was just tanked or something like that because they're just flushing it out what the hell it's so good yeah that's so weird yeah. i feel like there's some weird anti-marketing thing with it because i tweeted about how much i like this movie and a bunch of people not a bunch a couple of people were like Oh, that movie is like over sexualized or something, or it's grooming. And I'm like, what are you yeah, yeah. talking about? It's like kind of like a lesbian super bad, like, huh? You know, I don't know. It was weird. I, I, I feel like there some, I must have missed some conversation about this movie beyond whether or not it's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Twitch chat seems un, uh, very skeptical, Mark. Uh, oh my God, Joseph Joestar says it looks like a worse super bad. So. Uh, no, I think it's better at like modern day. I think, you know, super bad for its time was like genre defining and revolutionary. Um, I think this, like one of the things I appreciate about this movie that I haven't seen before. So I've never seen a movie. And I tweet about this commit so hard to just background jokes, like not related to the scene at all. Just just dumb shit happening behind them in like half the scenes in the movie. Like it's just constant. And there'll be like murals of like, like they commission someone to like paint a mural of like some dude. There's at one point like a mascot who just like has a giant horse dildo on him for no reason in the background of the scene. Like it's just so fucking. Dang. Oh yeah, Marshawn Lynch is in it. I was like, I feel like I recognize this dude. Who is this dude? And I googled it. I was like, is Marshawn Lynch? I was like, what the fuck? Uh, it's it's so funny. It's it's just the characters are great. The writing's great. It just does different things than I've seen. I think that's what the other thing too. So I'm always just chasing the high of something different. I've never seen something commit so hard. It's just random background shit. That makes no sense. All right. Well, we've talked enough about non legal legends things. So absolutely. So here's what I did. So yeah, I could talk to you. Let's just pretend we're on the walk right now and I'll tell you what this is. Okay. We can talk a conversation about it. So here's the world stuff. So after, uh, multiple multiple months of being out in the market trying to find a sponsor for like tgi world's coverage um we weren't able to find any any uh, the feedback i got was that unlike worlds last year where it was in north america a lot of sponsors feel weird about getting involved with something that's like in a weird time zone for them you know they're like oh we're sponsoring this thing that's in a time zone that's like on the other side of the world, like are is are like if we care about North American audience, are any of them going to be watching this? Like, what's the deal? 
Uh, I mean, it's it's. I guess they just don't get that like the VOD content will get consumed this way. But I get the skepticism in terms of like, like obviously an event, a world's happening in North America is way different than happening in a, a different region in terms of North American brands. So, I uh, what I decided to do is just book. Like, I'm just gonna spend my own money to go over there for like a week with Drew. Uh, which is going to be very expensive. There's a chance that we might be able to sell in like a brand to like the back of those, those YouTube videos, but it's not like world's coverage presented by, you know, Coke or something like that. It's just going to be like, Hey, this video is brought to you by so-and-so the same Ray way. That Shadow Legends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully that'll offset. Like we'll just hopefully be able to sell the impressions the same way we were, but it wouldn't be like the world sponsor is this, you know? Um, so to that end, yes, I'm just going to go like the sad thing is I want to go to worlds like I usually like I think this will be the first time that I won't have done like I think the the minimum I've ever done is like all of groups and then quarterfinals. And this time I am going in for the two days of asset day. Um, in fact, I'm going to be getting there halfway through the first day of asset day. Um, and then. I am leaving, I think, on the 25th or 26th or something like that. So I'll be there for the majority of Swiss, but not all of it. Um, so, yeah, it's still going to be really expensive because flying two people into Korea and then doing the hotel thing for, like, two hotel rooms in Korea for all that time. It can be pre pretty pricey, especially if you want to get a place that actually has, like, internet to upload content and stuff near the venue. But, you know, uh, I don't want to not do Worlds at all. And so, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, that's sucks, but that's good to hear. I mean, I, I know that even when you had channel sponsors, the later the tournament went, the, like kind of shittier it got for press. Yes. Um, it's like this weird thing where there's less teams available and then there's also more people showing up. It feels like for later in, in the tournament and you go to like bigger venues and sounds like it, it was always a struggle. And I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure your, your Swiss content almost or, or like your, uh, Group stage content always the better because that's where most of the Western teams are outside like the odd faker or like whoever wins the world championship one interview you get. But that's like an extra month. You have to stay there for that. Um, so I think, uh, you know, knowing the business side a little bit from talking with you in the past, I think it makes a lot of sense as much as it sucks that you're not there for the whole thing. Uh, at least we're in Swiss coverage because yes. I think I'll, I'll have a lot of interesting questions or like I think a lot of fans will have a interest in how it's going and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think the asset day stuff is always really fun because we'll be able to do some sort of like surprise test content there. The other side of this, which I do want to address because I already see it in chat where somebody says that or buy more magic cards. There's this kind of weird, like I don't think people really think through it because I am going to go to some magic events during Worlds. And I think people think like, wow, Travis is wasting his money going to magic or he's wasting his money on magic or something like that when he could just be lighting that money on fire, giving us coverage for free. And I wish that people had a better understanding of like when I go to Korea, if especially if we don't have a sponsor, um, I'm just like going to be pulling from my personal savings account to create that content and losing money on it, which is like fine, you know, and I, and I, I understand that not all content that I make is going to make, money or whatever but it is a decision where i'm going to be like okay i'm just going to spend you know five to ten grand going and covering this on my own 
as sort of a, a because I care because I do fucking care about League of Legends and all that stuff. But just because then I decided to go to a Magic event where, by the way, most of that stuff is covered by the event when I go to it because I go as like a guest. Um, you know that does not mean that I'm like, oh, Travis, Travis is doing this instead of Worlds. Well, yeah, because if I asked you if you wanted to go blow a ton of money you know thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars um you know it's just it's just not the same and so it's just kind of frustrating because i don't think people get that um but i i just because of the nature of this stuff it i just don't they don't get it you know mm. so it is what it is you i know you do like that, that for all sometimes that, but, uh, no uh, I, I started reading that red thread uh, uh in preparation okay fair yeah. enough uh, one thing we skipped over is Starfield. Is it dog shit or the best game ever played? Neither of us know. Neither of us has played it. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> thank, thank you for sidetracking us into that. That was really important that you said that. Um, yeah, I just I just know since we're talking about like all the relevant things, you know, Starfield is one of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna play, I swear, and then I'll probably not like it because they just don't have space in a space game. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyways. Uh but for those of you who do want to help offset the costs of uh, worlds. Uh, subs during September are cheaper. Wow. Um, September, everyone's sub. Yep. It's time for all you subs to come out of the woodwork. No, no doms tonight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. He's on a different show. All right. So the, um, so, <laughs> so the, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of this stuff, this thread, because I think it actually does hit on a lot of what, Thank you, everybody. For we'll, we'll shout out subs in a second. I see you guys all subbing right now. I do appreciate it. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this thread between the two of us before we, as maybe as a means of priming the pump on people who want to call in. But is there stuff in this that you see, Mark, or should I, I hop in here? Uh, you can you can start off. I, I saw a thread that started the day when it was number one on the subreddit and kind of read it, and I'm, I'm going through now as more people have filled in. And like you said, there's like, a lot of things in here where I understand where the sentiment's coming from, but a lot of the suggestions are just not great. Um, but I think that's what's good about a show like this is being able to like say, hey, I see where you're coming from, but this, this, and this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, for instance, there's a lot of people in this Reddit thread or a lot of discussion in this Reddit thread, and I'll try to remember to put, link this in the description of the of the show, but somebody comment if I forget to, because I often do. Put put it in the the third box. It's our guest for the the evening. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Um, people are not going to be able to read it in that third box, but I'll try. Um, that's, who, that's who's speaking when we when we're t responding to not text. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, I think that one of the things that I'm seeing in this thread, uh, for instance, that. <laughs> It's, I don't know. The text is all weird. <laughs> Get this QR code out of here. What the fuck is I, this? I don't know what it is. I think it's just Reddit. Reddit, dude, Reddit's falling off. But it's just a platform. I get so much random shit on my feed now that I don't care about. It's like old school Do Amazon you, wait, where you'd buy a TV on Amazon and then it would be like, things we think you might want. Five more TVs. TV. Yeah. <laughs> like it does that so often for me where like. It'll be like, you like League of Legends, so here's like a Dota a subreddit thread uh, that you don't care about. Well, stop using the redesign, first off. It, I mean, it's the algorithm, I think. It's like the feed, not the... Uh, 
No, that's yeah. not how my my Reddit looks. You're okay. using the, the the new subreddit. You gotta go back, opt out of the. If you go to like the settings preferences or whatever, and you go to sure. Um, well, I mean, this is like a browser source in the per- anyway. Whatever. Who cares? So, whatever. Um, one of the things that I see in this a lot is like, oh, there used to be all these tournaments where all these teams would duke it out all the time. Like that's kind of at the top of the thread, and I'm like, guys, that's literally what the LCS is like. All these conf- constant events in NA where TSM, CLG, Dignitas, Curse, etc. would duke it out. Sometimes up-and-coming teams with lesser-known players would do upsets. This is how Wild Turtle first gained prominence in the scene. Like, all that can be said about the LCS. Um, and so there's just a lot of where, like, oh, yeah, all these teams in North America play each other. And sometimes these other teams would end up upsetting them like one i think that that's already kind of what the deal is with the lcs um and i don't i i can understand the idea of like oh maybe we need more splits or maybe we need more tournaments but quite frankly i feel like lec tried to do that this year and i i know this is gonna be controversial because it's been controversial the whole year when you and i have been saying this but i think the lec format was a bit of a flop this year um so i kind of disagree with the idea that like more splits or more tournaments would be good. Yeah, their their format changed so much at once. It's hard to identify everything. Like, there's portions of it that I think worked very well. Um, like, you know, eliminating some of the, the weaker teams. On the one hand, it really sucks. You get like three weeks on a single patch, and if you had just like start out slow, you're just dead in the water. Like, in for example, in Spring Split, we just never would have seen Golden Guardians. Like, if it happened in NA, just because they started without their main roster and just died. Uh, you know, like there's a lot of things like that that I don't love about it, but it is cool that you get like best of threes and best of fives and the format's changing, but then they have all their split finals in the studio until like their finals finals. And then they have championship points and like a bunch of things don't matter. Like G2 wins summer and they still don't all qualify for worlds and they have to play another tournament, which they win anyways. And it's like, yeah, didn't we just do something to prove that G2 is the best team? Why are we doing it again? Like there's so many of those like little problems I think like the overall idea might have legs, but it, there's a lot of like there's also the breaks like that the the actual scheduling of the format had a lot of issues. So um, yeah, the LEC format is a bit. I, I'm glad they did it. It's a really interesting experiment, and I think uh, if you look at, like the actual numbers, it holds up pretty well. But I, I think there's been a lot of discussion about it from fans as it, as it went on because uh, I think the luster of like the new thing that it was in spring kind of kind of wore off, and you had to look at the actual ramifications over the course of a whole year, which was always what I said more than anything was that not that I liked it or that I didn't like it. It was that like, I'm going to withhold my opinion until I actually see it play out over the course of the year. Yeah. Although you and I were real skeptical. And I think that's what well, made people. Yeah. My, my skepticism was actually more about just like the repeating of the formats. Um, and I think if I'm going to own my shit, like I don't actually think that was the biggest problem with it. I was concerned about, you know, Oh, you're going to see the same thing three times. I didn't, realize some of the other problems that came up which like we already just said that the breaks i wasn't aware of how many breaks they had i wasn't aware how pivotal championship points were i knew they had them but i didn't realize that summer winter didn't actually just auto qualify for worlds and stuff like that. there's like a lot of those little things i didn't realize which you know those things could actually be cleaned up relatively easily um or not relatively easily but like you can keep 80 percent of what this idea is and, and hone that last 20 percent more maybe it's better next year and it sounds like based off what their, their commissioner said uh, that's what they intend to do next year. Uh, so why don't we, rather than going through the whole thread, I there's a, some bullet points here 
and I think you and I can both do quick reactions to them. Thumbs up, thumbs down type deal. So this that is what fun. this is what Weedwick is proposing at this post. Uh, bullet point one: Be willing to totally rethink what LCS and NA LOL esports is. The current way isn't working. Thumbs up. I agree. I I think I mean it's I think tentative thumbs up. The thing is, is when you say totally rethink what LCS and NA LOL esports is. I don't know if you and I feel the same way as to what they're saying. Like, I think they think, let's go all the way back to a time when there wasn't LCS and there's all these tournaments or whatever. But we'll, we'll see. Well, I just mean the sentiment, sure. I sure, agree. sure, sure. We, okay. We, this, Next that one. point on its own, I think we actually both agree with. Next up. Change the format completely. Move away from the NFL copy system. This is like a what to me. I mean, a lot of these bullet points are just like, there's just kind of fluff right now. There's nothing specific. Yeah. It's not really a copy of the NFL system other than like, best of ones on a day but like the nfl only plays once a week for a team you know we play two to three times a week uh yeah i don't know I, it's just a re- reference i guess it's not sure. that similar yeah I don't know. uh so that that one i'm like i'm up with you know some sort of change the format i guess but i don't yep i just don't the challenge for me is i i think i've yet to hear of a single format change for the lcs that i think is maybe good um Next up, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like the NFL format thing. Someone else in Twitch just said like the playoffs are totally different. Like NFL doesn't have double round robin. They don't have uh, elimination, uh, uh, double elimination. They don't have eight teams out of ten, or you know they have thirty two. You know, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, anyways, uh, next up, shorten the seasons and open the possibility for domestic tournaments. Uh Oh, I boy. assume they mean shorten the splits because when you say shorten the seasons. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think in their mind you would play out a tournament and then you would have room either before or after MSI or something to um, just play like a IEM type event. Yeah, I think the challenge for me there is like if you have to figure out how to give these tournaments some sort of stakes because if you create if you have a split and then you have a finals at the end and then you have some sort of domestic tournament, which I, I don't know what that is, but like, let's say it's just sort of like a, like the disguised toast thing is theoretically a domestic tournament, but I feel like they want something more like an IPL. Yeah. Um, definitely. Like what are the stakes for that? Cause one of the challenges that you ended up having when they had this in the past was like players give a shit about worlds, right? Like if you just have like a random, tournament between now and worlds one it's confusing from a what how does this what you know what how does this matter and two like teams are probably not as interested in doing this especially if it's like just domestic like it's just it's very confusing to explain what one of these tournaments would look like yeah i think uh it's definitely one where i don't see how it work because you're talking about just about la uh, lcs like what made ipls and those great back in the day was the fact it was that was like the tournament, like uh, every top team in the world would go to those, or at least like the majority of the top teams in the world. And uh, what makes the open bracket system work is the idea that you're going to be watching basically the highest level of competition. Um, and as soon as you step away from the highest level of competition, usually the viewership tanks. And this is like a, a thing in every esport. you know, um, you can have interesting different tournaments, but they have to have the best talent so like 
Home Story Cup for Hearthstone or um, Sea Story Cup or any of those like those kinds of ones with StarCraft and what they've had back in the day. You know, it's like you still have a lot of the personalities and influencers and stuff like that that are like considered A tier or S tier or whatever. And like you can maybe do that with just North American talent to like make a fun domestic tournament. But uh, I definitely don't think you could find any level of stakes that you're talking about where it has implications into the broader year. Um, you'd have to find some like novel approach to it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that one is kind of like a thumbs down for me, I would say. Yeah, I'd put that as like a basically a thumbs down because I, it sounds like, well, I mean, we'll talk about this broader post in a second, but let's get to the blow points. Yeah. Uh, integrate tier two teams from NACL into these domestic tournaments. This supports the pipeline to LCS and creates a stronger connection between NA community and LCS. This thumbs I'm up. thumbs up on. Yeah. Thumbs up for sure. Yeah. I, I, I sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think you could do something really interesting where you have for the team, like for, for teams that do not make it to worlds and do not make it to MSI, you do, some sort of tournament where they play against these NACL teams. Again, the, the challenge is like, I don't know what you do in order to give the stakes there enough to make the LCS teams care, but I think you could do something interesting there. I definitely agree. I think there's some room for like in proving grounds, the teams that don't qualify for playoffs get seated into that. And maybe you can make like some weird gauntlet, like as teams get knocked out of playoffs, they have to play here. I agree that there's potentially a lack of incentive for the LCS teams um, to act like final bosses in like tier two type situations, even if there's no promo relegation. Because that was that was before why you care. It was like, well, I get to keep my job. Yeah. Um, I don't think you would have that incentive now. So I think it would just be like some sort of cash prizing. Um, you know, I I can't think of anything else. And, and like, uh, I think. The, the tier two people will be very incentivized to show off what they're worth. I don't think any LCS player wants to go and lose publicly. So there's like at least some level of motivation of just competition itself being there. And because this isn't trying to like uh, seed into worlds or anything, I think, I think you could find a situation where like, even if the LCS teams feel a little demotivated, it's like, okay, yeah, I don't care. You know, like I, I want to show off the, the NA, NACL talent. So yeah, fuck it. You can be a little demotivated. Okay. Uh, we got two more. Integr uh, oh, wait, no, sorry. We got one more. You have franchise obligations to ensure that all franchise orgs have a ticket to these domestic events. You can still keep the shorter splits as franchise only and by extension also have MSI. So that's kind of more of the same that we were talking about. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. But we're going to get into calls here, but overall thoughts on on this this post, and then I have one quick thing about the comments. Um. I feel like this post is a lot of chasing the glory days. Um, and I think the top comment on this whole thing is like the ship has sailed, <laughs> to be honest, on something like this. And, and that's kind of where I land. Like, um, I'm not going to tell fans not to dream or like imagine, you know, alternate reality where open circuit had stayed and LCS never came into existence. You know, go, go for it. But at the end of the day, like, we are where we are right now and you have to come up with realistic solutions and changes that can happen. And I think the idea of like domestic tournaments, bring back the rival, like to me, what this says, especially like when you get, cause the bullet points. So there's a, there's a common thing in any area where your consumer, your client, your customer, uh, their feelings are valid and you need to be able to parse what they're feeling from their suggestions. Because oftentimes their suggestions don't match with like the guts of an industry and how the industry actually operates and blah, blah, blah. Here, you know, 
I think this this is uh, what matters most. All the constant events where te- NA teams like TSM, CLG, Dingtoss, and Curse would duke it out. Sometimes up-and-coming teams would have upsets, like Turtle, first game prominence. TSM was the dude bro fan favorite. CLG was the arrogant pseudo-intellectual squad. I think what this person's missing is like connectable people and stories for teams. I think they are feeling disenfranchised with the revolving door of players, the faceless, personality-less organizations that they might be feeling. Um and they're just going back to what worked in the past without like thinking about the current future. Um, and that's the, even the title of the thread. We need to remember how Lily Sports got big and popular to begin with. Um, I mean, part of the other thing that made Lily Esports popular was that League of Legends was the most popular game <laughs> in that time period. Like everyone played League of Legends. And, like, and, and massive on streaming platforms. I mean, League was always number one by like double, like 2x. Every the biggest streamers were all League of Legends players, yeah. and specifically North American League of Legends players. There's still plenty. Like League of Legends is a category on Twitch still does very well, but it's yeah. predominantly non-English speaking streamers that carry that category now. Um, there's still Tyler ones and people who get good viewership. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's it's not the same as it was back then. And just being like, oh, we'll just go back then. It's like, well, the the scene was carried by the biggest popularity, biggest influencers in gaming at the time. You know, not not. There were still plenty of shooter people as well, but like the, the biggest streamers were all League of Legends streamers. Um, yeah. And that's just not the case anymore. So going back to these like personality driven teams where you have this connection, it's like it's, it's a different ecosystem and it, it wouldn't work even if you did just like try and go back. But what this person is feeling is disconnected from teams and players. And that's the, what going forward the ecosystem needs to fix, I think. I'm on Twitch right now. You can't, from what I can tell, you can't even like rank the game. The- do the they categories. get rid of it entirely? You used to be able to. You can go to games. You can go to like browse, and then you can go to games, and it shows you recommended games, but then it just shows you a bunch of... Viewers high to low? Yeah. And then tag language English? Gosu is at 5.6. No, 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 you can look three. at... I'm saying I want to see where the games are. Like, So I can see League has... You can't rank all the game streams. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, oh, you can. Viewers high to low. Just chatting, Grand Theft Auto, League of Legends, okay. Valorant, Starfield, Roblox. I can't find Rainbow that. Six Siege. I, I believe it exists. Old man navigates the internet. Oh, sword by. Oh, here we go. Here, here. Okay. No, I somehow clicked over to a different, like the the browse tab. Maybe they're doing some sort of A-B testing or something like that. But instead, I was just seeing a bunch of different like things. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, League, by the way, beating Val right now. All right. Dead game. Val, dead game. Um, Hold on, let's let's pull up some esports. Let's talk some shit. Fuck Valorant. No. Okay, so wait, listen. We need we need everything we can for this episode. Um, the one last thing before we hop into this, Mark, what do you think of the big pushback on? Okay, Weedwick, the OP, commented in the the description or in the in the comments. It's a nightmare hell hellish landscape. Now that the developers want to control esports, on the surface it doesn't seem so bad, but there's a deep conflict of interest here. For a developer, esports doesn't exist for the sake of competition; it exists for the sake of marketing and advertising the game. This means all decisions made by the controlling entity will be to maximizing the marketing value. It goes without saying that this doesn't always align with esports for the sake of esports. Like, there's a bunch of other stuff in here, but I'm like, well, first off, Core JJ just showed up in the chat. Spawn and Core are here, so Spawn says I agree with Mark. Core just hiking. ended. Yeah. Wait, why are scrims over? 
Are they even scrimming right now? 12 to 3, 4 to 7? I assume so. I don't think anyone's scrimming right now. Are you kidding me? I assume that they are. Who are they scrimming? They have to go to Worlds in in a month. They haven't gone to Korea yet, I bet. I mean, I think think Yankos. Or no, Yankos. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. But I don't think they're scrimming. All right. Anyway, back to this. I just think the irony of, for a developer, esports doesn't exist for the sake of composition. It exists for the sake of marketing and advertising the game. I'm like, listen, MLB and NFL aren't, and NBA are not sitting there being like, we do this for the sake of competition. And we will only optimize for the competition. I'm like, no, that's not what they're doing. They're optimizing for ad revenue and viewer engagement and all that shit. Like this sort of fairy tale land where like somewhere out there there exists some like nonprofit organization that is going to optimize esports for the sake of competition. It's, it's well, crazy. Even like they reference IPL and MLG, like those were still capitalist, like they were trying to make money. MLG uh, had done a ton of raising fun fundraising rounds and was never going to be profitable from what I, uh, how I, I'm sure there's a ton of MLG people that will disagree with me, but like, I don't think it was ever going to be profitable. And that's why Blizzard ended up buying it out eventually. And IPL, like IGN killed IPL, not because of Riot or anything like that, but just because they're a media company. And I think the media company got bought. And I can tell you as an expert on working at media companies, those things are never stable. So the idea that somewhere out, if Riot had never gotten involved, there'd be some, we'd be on IPL 27 right now is crazy to me. Yeah. So. Um, I think, I, I think that there is some truth to the idea that like a developer controlled ecosystem has flaws and problems. I think the idea that they are not pushing competition is actually completely wrong in the sense that I think that the matches that Riot makes are, from a competitive integrity standpoint, way higher than previous open source tournaments. And like open tournaments had problems with prize pooling. People didn't get paid for months. Like I know people look back at those glory days from the fan perspective of having an enjoyable product, but streams were worse as well. You know, like you take off the rose tinted glasses, you had like hour long delays between games randomly. Um, which almost you know never happens these days. It's, it can happen sometimes, but almost never. Um, yeah, players didn't get paid well. The competitive integrity was just complete ass, um, dude. Like, like people remember they a ram they a ram the finals yes, game one. I thought about making a video about that because I feel like it's funny. Sundance. Speaking of a ram, when Sundance, who was running MLG at the time, back in like I don't know 2011 or something like that, and League was thinking about going to MLG or like their MLG was think was interested in doing league stuff. Sundance's take was that the league games were too long and that he really thought that the audience should be excited about Dominion and that that was going to be the future of esports for MLG. Maybe it should have been. Legends. You don't know. Fucking Riot took control and said not Dominion. They headshot Crystal Scar because it was too popular. It was doing too well. Um, oh my god. People yeah, this, are saying that you say that, that you say that shit, and the scary thing to me is that that's like probably how a lot of people. There's always yeah. people who are just you know, do this revisionist history thing. I mean, people are saying that like part of that jank was charming, and I totally agree it was. But that's also because at the time that's all there was, and yeah. you you endured some of the jank because 
you know, it's like, I love Dark Souls 1, but it's jank as fuck in a lot of ways. And like, they've refined the formula since then. And people don't remember when LCS started, even before franchise, because we forget, there was also a period of time there wasn't franchising still. And it was just LCS, you know, was, was controlled by Riot, but it wasn't franchised. And people were really excited. And it was awesome for a lot of time before, you know, cracks or whatever started to show. So like, I think if you try to do it again, you would get a lot of the old problems. But now you're used to living in an ecosystem where games happen on time. And like, speaking of competition, like, Riot has really strict rules about like what patch you can play on and like making sure the game is uh, you know balanced. You don't play on live. The people talk about League of Legends being or esports being a marketing tool for League of Legends. True, but if they actually wanted to market the game, they would play on live. There's like no reason to delay it for two weeks behind all your favorite streamers and the game they're playing on when Briar comes out like they should be having a fucking tournament where Briar comes out if they wanted to like maximize um selling things and like you know they, they don't do that because they do care a lot about competition so, ask like, so, ask a smash bros fan how happy they are that their developer doesn't give a shit about esports yeah seriously like the the, the money's way lower for players <laughs> you know i'm sure all those melee guys are really bummed that like you know, Nintendo hasn't stepped in and made a, a, a proper circuit for them. In fact, they tried to, and the whole thing blew up in their face because, like, yeah. uh, Nintendo just fucked them over left and right. Um, and I guess that's the their form of their developer stepping in, uh, which, if that's what it's going to be, sure, you know, hands-off is better. But, um, yeah, it's, like, it's a disaster for some other situations. So, uh, so Mark and I have talked a lot about this Reddit thread. We've talked about a lot about our stuff, but I think we want to use this as a launching point to to kind of talk, and we'll do our best not to just shut down everyone's takes and be like, meh, moving to Chicago is dumb. We might do a little bit of that, but uh, I do think it is, it's interesting to hear from folks on what they would like to see and all that stuff. So, obviously, we've we've done a lot of preamble in this episode, but Mark, you want to start pulling takes from the subtopics and pleb topics chat i uh, so yeah. ones we can rule out already i think because we've talked about them a lot in the past i don't want david shinock to come on and talk about how the lcs needs to move to do live events in arenas every five days and travel the world um uh, because we just fundamentally disagree on the uh the cost there I think we don't need to talk about how LCS needs to move to Chicago and everything will be better. Uh, or geolocation. We've talked a lot about geolocation previously. Um, yeah, Papa Smithy says he's clipping this right now for a swear. So true. Anytime you can't, even when we shut him down, he's just like, it's free real estate and turns it into a TikTok or Twitter. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, what, you know, any, any other things? Uh, that that folks want to talk about. I, Mark, am I forgetting any of the the classics? Uh, no, I don't know. I, I I'll I'll be looking out. We'll see what what pops up. I'm going yeah. through the uh, the channel right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, so give, give me while Mark is doing that, I will read Phil. out some subs. So first off, thank you, thank you, everyone who just dropped a ton of subs. I saw I saw a bunch of people do that uh, when we were talking about costs of worlds and all that stuff. So thank you to. Reaper, Casey Clark, Mr. Croc, Mr. Dr. Enchilada, Blue Jay, Luna Bear Kid, Sky Limix, Director Donut, uh, Smoke Dog, Shadow Spectre, Selmy, Count Cuckula, uh, Raze, <laughs> Raze, Raze, Raze <laughs> Stealth Black Eye, oh my god, Xfix. Xfix, wait till the last month, week of the month that you'll save yourself money. Zamelkai, Spartans, Vim Strike, Roxas is a ho gift to two subs, Snitzel, 
to main Shammy KC Dasher seven 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 X Happy Faces Sports Nut Xbox with the twenty gifted Mad Hog ninety eight. Thank you for the prime. Uh, so thank you, every Xbox. Very very generous of you to drop those twenty. Uh, really appreciate it. So I'll I'll get the first person. Um, yeah. Off off he goes. Thank you to everybody who's helping to to off uh, directly helping to offset the. The impact of worlds on my personal savings account. Um, and listen, when you're in your 30s, you can't you can't be doing too much damage to your personal savings account. Cappy is here. Cappy, where are you calling from? Hey, I'm calling from Fresno, California. Fresno, California. And what do you want to talk about on the show? So I think Riot Global should introduce a policy where players can only switch major re- regions once per every two years. So if they're playing in a minor region and like NA wants to pull them up, then that's fine, and then they can go switch somewhere else. But if they're playing in a major region, they can only switch regions once, and then they're locked in that region for two years. Whether or not they play, that's you know up to them, but or up to the teams, I guess. But it, it will make players really think twice before you know fucking off and going to a different uh, region for, you know, one split. So you've clearly watched the show and listened to it often enough to know exactly how to pull on my heartstrings. But this is the Travis Gafford caller. I pulled him for you. What I usually try to do in these situations, whenever I think about Riot instituting any policy, is I think about how this could be abused uh, by teams, usually, because that's usually who abuses it. But... Uh, also sometimes by the players themselves. And I think my concern here is once you bring a player over here, then you just have them kind of stranded. Uh, you know, like they have to, they have to, you've burned the bridge. Uh, you've, uh, you've uh, not, maybe this is too real of a thing, but it's like you're essentially taking their passport, right? Like they have to stay here and work. And, and you know, it, at that point in time, you can kind of put them through the ringer, which I think is, I worry that it would give teams too much power in that relationship. You could then kind of countermand it by saying like, okay, well, then the, the you have to put some restrictions where the team has some sort of guaranteed contract that they have to put on the player where like the the player's contract is guaranteed, that way they don't come over here and then the players the team doesn't do some sort of like, you know, uh thing a thing where you're <laughs> Where you're you're bait and switching them six months in and telling them actually your contract's gonna be a little less or I I think then the challenge is then you give the player too much power because then they have some sort of weird guaranteed contract so I like the spirit of it and I'm not saying that maybe that's not the the solution but I'm curious if you have any answers to sort of the weird power dynamics and weird situation that you're doing with the the players you know if they end up stuck over here I don't and. I kind of just wanted to put this out into the the world because I've been thinking about it a lot. And I know it's not a perfect solution, but I think that both teams, but majority players should have to think twice before they make a commitment to join a different league and then just leave, you know, after a split or two. Yeah. I, you know, we had on our call on this call, or maybe it was in the, Twitch chat or something like that, but I vaguely recall talking about this with Mark. The idea of like giving, making the 
you you're sort of putting it on the onus on the on the player, right? Like if the player comes over here, they have to commit. What yes. I, Mark, go ahead. I was going to say this is the greatest I think call in per take we've ever had. Not you, this other guy. Sorry, uh, your, your take is good too. But the, this person's suggestion was the first time a fan said something. I was like, "You are a genius!" And it was that the teams have two um, import slots that they assign to a, a player for two years. And if you dump that player, that player still has your import slot for the length of time remaining. Uh, so they can go join another team anywhere in North America while they have this North American slot assigned to them. And it only goes back to the team after two years. That um, could have been me on Twitter. I may have DM'd you. Someone also, I swear to God, was on the show talking about it before. Oh, maybe. Um, so, I mean, maybe other people, a bunch of people have had the take as well. It's not necessarily the most uh, novel, like no one's yeah. ever thought of an idea. But I, I think this is a great one um, where it incentivizes teams who think really hard about who they're going to sign. And once they have them, being kind of forced to keep them and invest in them and make it work or uh you know they can let them go but they don't get their spot back instantly um you know this way you're still keeping the like two import rule clause but you're just making it so that teams can't just churn through people within that import spot which i think is the bigger problem with like i know papa smith is in chat right now but for example vikla parted ways right now um it obviously wasn't working so i don't necessarily blame him for like that's a bad move but like you, you took a gamble you took a shot you assigned to your Lulu is out of IMT as well. <laughs> yeah, Balulu or whatever, you know, like um it's like you guys can take your shots, that's fine, but like we're not going to punish the fans necessarily. Um and I think uh there'll just be more incentive for NA talent if the if you're talking about a Balulu versus in a Blaze Olive or a uh Quid versus a Palafox, you're, you know, a uh Young, I, I don't know. They're like the the difference between a, t a young tier two player in North America versus other regions suddenly becomes a lot bigger because it becomes a lot more of a risk to to try and sign that kind of person. And so it's less about punishing FlyQuest for reaching for a Vikla and more about kind of just the assumption that like, hey, I don't want the NA guy, I'll go get the other guy because then you're actually going to have to commit resources, like real resources, not just money, which is like at the end of the day maybe not as different. Um, it's like you're building blocks of the future go away. It's like draft picks because we don't have a draft, but this is something where uh, teams can effectively have to um really make it work and i think you know you have to really think about the implication of this make sure people aren't like signing and trading players like well that's what i was gonna say is maybe you just keep that you can still maybe keep the rule of like hey you can only have two import players on your team um but if flyquest wants to bring in another import maybe they they have to trade with another team for one of their import players, right? Vikla goes to another team and then that allows, uh, you know, if Team Liquid wants to trade Summit or something like that over to... Right, yeah. You, you couldn't just buy four people's imports players and stick them all on your team because now the import... There's still the also the restriction of limited per players. Right. Yeah. Uh, someone in chat says, how does this solve the LCS viewer problems? Well, as Travis has said, and as this post in that kicked off this conversation is talking about is that there's a lack of connection between fans and a lot of the players in the LCS because as Travis has, I don't even fully agree with Travis that this is the biggest problem, but it is definitely one where there is a high rate of player turnover, not just in terms of this player is now on this team, but also this player is now out of the league. Perks, Alfari, uh, Vikla is, is the latest one of these kinds of like import players who show up for a year, maybe don't achieve everything that they had in mind and then they leave and the fans are left 
with like who's who, why Takui, but I, I cared about him. He had an incredible story. He's go, he's gone now. Okay, I guess that's fine. Um, Whippo inspired, sure. Like you can like there's an endless slew of these names. It's not that there's anything wrong with any of these players, but it's really hard to ask an NA fan year after year after year after year to like learn a new person's story, decide that you care about this person, and then watch them walk out the fucking door every year. Um, and so this would be a way to protect against that by trying to limit the amount of churn that can happen from non-domestic talent, because at least domestic talent stays in your ecosystem. Yeah, I I think that that I, I really like the system. I mean, I I think one of the biggest things that Riot should do is address this. And I, I don't quite frankly, I still don't know if they know that it's an issue. Um, and I I don't know how they don't know that, but. It's just maybe a level of obliviousness. Uh, Cappy, thanks so much for the call. Anything that you want to shout out before we go on to the next caller? Yeah. Uh, thank both of you guys. Shout out to both of you guys for uh, putting out amazing content. I've been you know, watching for a long time. Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoy you guys. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and uh, shout out to uh, Golden Glue. You know, congrats on winning a, a title. <laughs> it may be tier two, but I'm still super happy for him. And shout out to Alienware. They have some amazing deals right now. Um, just really checking them out, and they, they have amazing deals. Um, yeah, last but not least, shout out to the TV show Shorzy. Everyone should go watch that. <laughs> okay, right. very good. Thank you. See you guys. Catch you later. All right. I think we can do another call before we take a break. Uh, and Mark is already grabbing them. So thank you to, uh, let's see, Madhog98, Renz, LOL, Eben Crux, and Sovereign Khan. Uh, caller, welcome to the show. What's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, my name's Spencer. I'm calling from Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. And what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I want to talk about a problem and then what I think the potential solution is. So I think that a lot of viewer burnout in LCS takes place because of the fact that we are the third or fourth place region competitively. Um, NA T-Sports fans are used to their teams being the best in the world, uh, even though that's not always the case. We think it is um, for the NBA, the MLB, NFL, um, golf. I mean, there's a lot of sports where we championship over everything. So when we see our NALCS being the fourth best league in the world, we just stop wanting to watch. It's the same thing that happens when my T-sports teams aren't doing well. I take a season where I don't watch every single game. I think that the best solution is to stop trying to be so competitive uh, and to focus more as an entertainment product rather than a product of competition. So I want to take... Spring split, which doesn't even matter off, and have teams do interesting matches, whether it's like Nemesis Draft, or their owner has to come play support, or they get up from their keyboards when they're dead and they walk over and mess around with their opponents. Just do something interesting for me in spring so I can watch LCS as an entertainment product. If I wanted to watch competitive League of Legends, I would watch LCK VODs. Huh. All right, I will let Mark dive in on this while I turn up the AC because I think Kobe turned it down. I'll be right back. Uh, Travis dodging this this take. Um, no, I, I, I will do, answer. 
so there, there's part of this I agree with and part I don't. I, I think it's true that North America is not the shining jewel of League of Legends gameplay. Um, and I think if you are trying to make your identity, hey, we're the best region in the world, come watch us, that doesn't really work. I've, I've seen, you know, obviously like LCK has insane viewership, not because I think that they make a drastically better product, though I think, you know, they do have really cool stuff with their like intros. And I, I like how they have like, just like a shitload of people on their prediction graphics. They, they do some cool stuff. I don't want to say it's it's like not good, but my point is just like, it's not the content that makes that like one of the most watched broadcasts and like T1 having fuckloads of like they're the most viewed team in the world. You know, it's, it's not the broadcast that's doing that. It's the players in the team and the quality of gameplay and the region as a whole. You know, it's like the fact that they are in this ecosystem that makes them so interesting to watch. Um, and you don't have a faker corollary in NA. It was like it was kind of Bjergsen, you know, not to say skill level wise, but like, hey, he was the best in the region and blah, blah, blah. But um, point is... You, I agree that like having something else you hang your hat on other than we're, we we represent the, the pinnacle of League of Legends is good. But I don't think you can go full clown fiesta because people still enjoy a semblance of competition, even if they know they're not watching the best in the world. I know that might not be your take, Super Spender, but I do think there are a lot of North American fans who still want to watch their region. Uh, and they would be very put off by only games that don't matter for fun. I here's here's where I will I'll leave the competitive for summer is what I'm saying. But sorry. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. But I'm saying like people will just a lot of people will just not watch spring then because they'll go. Yeah, I don't. This doesn't matter. You're telling me it doesn't matter. Great. I won't watch. And I don't know if they'll even watch summer because if you if you've just taught them that like there's just a bunch of goofy shit happening because like spring is a long time, right? You're talking about like I assume you would not have a team go to MSI. Uh, I think you could start at spring playoffs, do like what essentially lock-in used to be, just do a bracket straight up, pick a team for MSI based on that. You don't need the full split. And then from MSI, you go into summer where it's more competitive. Uh, like, I don't care about MSI either. It's We send one team and they don't do well. I mean, I, the idea that spring doesn't matter is like, I, I don't even agree with that, to be honest. It's your highest viewership split. S spring in every single region in the world is the, the most watched. It's higher than summer because it is the start of a new season. It's all these teams first time playing together. There are a ton of storylines. There's a ton of things that people come in excited for a year of League of Legends. And if you started off on the wrong foot, that's not a good idea. Um, I think... You know, you can try and make things more fun to lean into the fact that it is a new format or it's a new, you know, here are the new items or something. You can only play new champs. Or like, I don't know. You, you could you could incorporate fun things, but it couldn't become the whole identity of the broadcast because a lot of people still think spring matters. And like MSI is still interesting. MSI had millions of viewers. Like it's, you know, something that I think players want to compete in. The, the players themselves like you have to think about the entire ecosystem, not just like if a fan would like it. Because even if you're right that fans would love this, players would not be excited to just like fucking not play the competitive thing that they that they need to play before they go onto MSI. You know, like I don't think they want to do troll matches. I I there's two two things here. One, 
Yeah, I don't think you can just do a bunch of troll matches the whole time. I do think there are some arguments we had that maybe you could have a shorter spring split. You start spring split later. It doesn't start in like the beginning of January because I do think that the LCS season is maybe a little too long. Um, but I think you could start it in. You could start it a little later. I like Lockin. I think there's a world where you do something that's a little bit more in line with this disguised toast thing, where you have some sort like Lockin instead of just being Lockin is actually some sort of streamer influencer led event, like. Let Ludwig, let Disguised Host, let, you know, back in the day it would be Tyler One, though he's somewhat persona non grata these days, but let them have some sort of uh, streaming. Sorry. Everything okay, work? Cat feet run off. It's done. Uh, let, let, uh, let them let do some sort of fun thing, because here's the thing all these teams have to get 20,000 visas anyway, those all get delayed. And that was one thing I think Lockin was pretty good at, was like, dealing with the visa delays and then kick the tournament, kick LCS off for real in like the middle of February. So I, I like the idea of doing the tournament thing the or the like sort of more entertainment stuff in spring. The, the other thing I will push back on, Mark kind of pushed back off on the idea that spring doesn't matter. I'm going to push back on the idea that like we lose viewers because we don't perform well internationally. And I think that you can 100% say more people would watch LCS if we were winning all the time. But I do think that like Riot has already designed an international system that makes that is fairly irrelevant to North American viewers. Last year we had for the first time in a, in years and years and years an international event or international tournament that was at a time where North American viewers could watch it. Like, this year, we're back to times where North American viewers can't watch. I don't think... I think that the North American viewers that want to watch these these tournaments are already watching for LCK and LPL because they're already caring and watching LCK and LPL stuff. And I think that, like, we are... Like, the, this sort of idea of, like, oh, yeah, you know, we're just... We're catering too much uh, to the idea that, like, LCS is competitive and we're leaning too far into that. Like, I think that ship has already sailed. People know LCS is not competitive. We've, we, we, like the, the tournaments happen at times where people can't watch them. The people that do watch it are already the hardcore people that are going to watch it no matter what. Like, I just don't think, I really just don't buy it. And I get that like, there's a 5% of the audience that sits there in the, the comments or in Twitch chat right now and goes, Oh, I fucking care. Yeah. I just don't think like, they're representative of the the average LCS viewer. Like the average LC, like the people on our Twitch chat and YouTube comments are way more likely to be up at two a.m. watching an LS co stream of an L LCK game than like the average person who we want to get watch LCS. So I don't know. Um, I think I mean I don't. I think we, we're slightly different. I, I think international performance does matter quite a bit. I think there's been pretty clear correlations between good international performances and viewership. But I also think it's like not something you can rely on or it's, it's not something that's under your control. And like you need to be able to find a product that people are happy to watch regardless of what your teams are doing internationally. Are you talking uh, about LC, LEC? Well, I think LEC, but then also like there's a player base plus success question that, you know, like I don't, I don't know the answer to. But like, hey, what do you know? The, the best teams, the best regions in the world are the most watched. Huh, weird. You know, like 
and and there's a pretty clear ranking of you know how good people or, are doing or internationally. the best player regions of the world have the most players who would have thought yeah that's what i said there's a, there's a bit of a push and pull there but i also don't think that uh it's you know purely non i agree that we would potentially have more people watching the lcs if we performed better there i don't i yeah. think i think you get more international viewers when your league's doing better for sure i think that you have a domestic fan base that tends you have a loyal domestic fan base that'll tend to watch no matter what yep. when you put times to be for more eu fans to watch eu fans aren't going to watch if lcs is less competitive than lec well yeah i'm not saying it has to be like better i just mean um it helps there's storylines there's narrative things there's all these things that like doing good internationally helps but it's not the end of the world and as papa smithy put in chat you know like cb lol has better viewership than the lcs now uh, and they're not doing a they i mean they're significantly on weekends. worse yeah they're significantly worse than us on the competitive stage but their viewership yeah. is going strong so what's going on there um so obviously there, there's complex things uh something else from chat Jack was talking about or jack jack was talking about um doing east versus west tournaments in spring sign me the fuck up if you can make that happen because as far as i'm concerned lec spring or winter whatever they called it was like kind of irrelevant anyway so like yeah let's just fucking run a east versus west or excuse me a na versus eu tournament there for fun like i i would love some more rivalry stuff i think that's a great pitch in terms of if you're like so i think super spenders general idea is like hey let's bring some of the fun back let's bring some uh rivalry some like fun stuff and i think um that's that's a great way to do it would be an east versus west tournament where both teams agree to have a compressed spring split and spend a couple weeks at the start of the year doing some like international tournament obviously that the thing is that cost goes way up when you start housing 10 teams from <laughs> other regions i think maybe instead what you do is like a, a micro season that leads to an international tournament that's just between east versus west kind of like a battle of the atlantic did you it, know that there you can do these like uh, i think it's less of a thing now but for a while it was a very popular thing to do like house swaps where like a family in France oh, would yeah. come and take the house of the family in New York and they just like swap. We yeah, just do send that. five LCS teams to Europe and bring five LEC teams. I mean, to that's the way I would do it. Right. And you'd have these two, you'd run like a month long thing where uh, Saturday is broadcast out of Saturdays and Sundays or, you know, maybe, maybe uh, Thursday, Friday is North America. Saturday, Sunday is Europe. Cause that's what Riot loves. And you have the five teams, five teams. They're almost like separate leagues or whatever, uh, or separate things. And you, you do some sort yeah. of finals where like the the best, of the best from both sides meet up against each other or something. The, the logistical payments of like rent and like food and like all these things are getting really messy. But I do think like these are the types of fun ideas. Less than like, hey, we're not going to play a competitive game mode. People are going to like press each other's keyboards when they die. Like. I think that stuff is like funny once or twice, like in an Earthvitational, like Riot used to do in NA or like a show match. But I don't think you can do consistent things like that. I think you need, if you want to get creative, I'm super down to get creative, but I think it has to maintain this core of competitive integrity because otherwise people tune out because it's it's not esports anymore. It's shenanigans. Caller, okay. thank you so much. Oh. Let me just say my, my closing statement. Oh, sure. Uh, so, Bill Hader, the comedian, said mm -hmm. that if someone tells you something isn't funny, they're probably right. And if someone tells you what would be funny instead, they're probably wrong. So I think that I was on track with spring is wrong. We need to do something different with it. But, you know, my ideas weren't the best. 
there's other people out there who are smarter than me. Let them come up with something interesting for us to do for the first few months of the year. That's fair. But I like, but I liked what your conversation did was it, it spurred, you know, like, okay, maybe the, you're too far in the for fun stuff, but what is, what is also fun, but also competitive, you know? Well, yeah, I also, I also like just like going, let's, let's go to the logical extreme and walk it back from there. Yeah. You know, like we, we all agree that you shouldn't have a month long tournament where people can press each other's keyboards. What's the less extreme version? Yeah. Hey, caller, thank you so much. Uh, do you want to give a shout out here at the end before we take a quick break? Uh, no, thanks for letting me get in that final thought. And uh, you guys have a great night. Yeah, thank you. I see that Maximus Payne is knocking Bill Hader in the chat. I love Bill Hader. And what's funny is that, Bill, I've seen that interview where Bill said that. And I've um, I also... It's so similar to what Brandon Sanderson says, which is like when you're getting feedback on your novel, if somebody says it's not playing well, that's great, but don't listen to them if they say, and instead these characters should do this, or here's how I would fix it. It's like, just listen to the part where they say it's not working and then figure it out on your own. All right, we're gonna take a quick, wait, Mark, Mark, we're taking a break. We're taking a break. Wake up. Twitter? We have an an ad to read. Hurry up. Hurry up, he's, Jesus Christ, this man. Okay, Uh, shout out to Alienware. I really appreciate Alienware. They have been a fantastic partner for us on the show. Uh, They have an amazing notebook, the M18. We're going to be bringing it with us to Worlds and be working on uh, all of our stuff off of that. So thank you so much to Alienware for providing us with the hardware and gear that we use. Uh, It's just been a fantastic system for us as we've uh, wanted to grind out some amazing footage and such on the road, uh, particularly because of the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4000 series GPU that is in it. And if you'd like to go check out the Alienware M18, I've been harping on it for months, but I know it's been fantastic. People have been telling me that they've enjoyed it as well. Go check it out, Alienware.com slash Travis. Purchasing through Alienware.com slash Travis actually does directly support the continuation of content creation here at TGI. And we love Alienware as a partner. They've just been supportive of us for years and continue to do so. So I just uh, really want to give a huge shout out to them and thank you to sponsor for sponsoring Hotline League. Uh, again, you can go check out their products at Alienware.com slash Travis. Doing so really does help support the show. So thank you to Alienware for supporting esports. As Jack says in the chat right now, thank you to Alienware for supporting esports. We love to see it. All right. Uh, let's go grab the next caller. Uh, thank you. Thank you uh, to Alienware. Thank you to everybody shouting them out in the chat. Really appreciate it. And thank you as well to uh, Sovereign Con, Morigami, Spud Tugger, and Coinshot Quoth in the chat. I uh, really like it. Oh, shout out to Olivia Rodrigo, by the way. New album, Guts. It's available now. BB, BB, where are you called from? From the UK, man. From the UK, what do you want to talk about on the show? Pardon? What What would you like to talk about on the show? Okay, so I think the LCS needs to go to best of three. For So it's two reasons. Not only does it make the competition better, because the players will improve, but I think it just opens the door for more sponsorship, because the visibility goes up with more games. All right. Here we fucking go. All right. <laughs> um, all right. The best of three battle or discussion has been around for ages. And I think it's one of those things where it's never going to be satisfied because, look, 
viewership tanked when they did best of threes. But over time, over these years, the best of three enjoyers have evolved and developed more copiums for why it didn't count really that the best of threes brought viewership down. And they say things like, well, Overwatch launched then and we, you know, Overwatch, a lot of people went and played that and uh, that's why. Or, well, there were two streams and splitting the streaming wasn't great. And that's what the problem was. Or, you know, any, I don't know. There's a, there's a list somewhere. I don't have all of them, but the best of three enjoyers do. And I am not a believer in best of threes from a viewership perspective. I realize they are successful in other ecosystems. So I'm not saying that they can't be, but I think in North America where folks have not been trained to watch esports a couple of matches a night, uh, that that's just not, I think it's less feasible. And I, I think, listen, the maybe maybe I could be convinced of this in a league where people are attached to the players and the teams more, where there is a scramble for more games and for more and people care about their team so much that they really want to watch them play more. I don't think that is where we're at in the LCS right now. I think we're in a situation where we have to convince people to care about these players and these teams. And we do. And then eventually those players go back to a different region and then we have to do it all over again. So in my opinion, give creating even more saturation of a league that people are already, I think having a hard time caring about is the exact opposite of a solution that makes sense. Um, um, one, one clarifying question to BB first, when you say it'll have more airtime, does that mean you, you want a second channel or no? I want a second what? A second channel? Oh no! I just you still stream it on like the LCS Twitter, uh, Twitch. No. So are, there, are you BB? live more days then? Yeah, I would say so. Right, you're just live more. You're live more often. It's easier to get sponsorships if you have more visibility. No. Right, but you know that you have to pay more then as well because you have to pay all your contractors to show up and uh, turn the lights on and run a like fifty person production which is a day of the lcs but you should be making more as well if you're getting in, more viewership in in theory in, in theory but but what if you're like hypothetically I don't, I don't know if this is true or not but what if you're operating at a deficit already and mm-hmm. while you do get more money you also then have to spend more money um, yeah that, it's for sure a good argument and i think the whole like topic of conversation is to fix so let's say they are operating a deficit the whole thing is to find ways to make it so that they're not and to make the like more profitable and yeah you're putting on more shows but if putting on more shows is making you more money then you're not operating in the red anymore i worry that your strategy is for every five dollars we take out of the register we put a banana in the trash can <laughs> for those that understand <laughs> that reference well, no. <laughs> i think i think the other thing too uh to get into the real world a little bit is uh what do you do when it's uh, let's say like a pending economic downturn and sponsors hard pull out um, and they are really penny pinching on what they decide to sponsor. And let's say your league's viewership's going down. So you don't have like tons of negotiating power. Um, are you sure turning the lights on more is like economically a good decision? 
I think in that in that universe, it's definitely hard. But <laughs> if you're if if the if you're just gonna assume that the LCS is always gonna go downhill, then there's nothing you can really do, right? But I think well, currently- sponsors don't give a fuck about where where they're they're more about you know like what the numbers are currently um, and the trend that it's on. I mean, they, they I personally believe the LCS will go back up at some, but we can I can't sell the, I can't sell them that. No, it's true. But I mean, okay, so I've been like a diehard LCS fan my whole life. I've been watching basically forever. So take this uh, in the nicest way possible. The players are not good, man. Like. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not good like compared to the international stage it's just so hard to get invested and to get people who aren't like already integrated fans to come over and enjoy and like <laughs> i don't want to flame anyone right but you see someone like fudge just dominates everybody like he's by far one of the best players in the lcs he hard gaps every single top laner and then he goes to worlds plays against zeus and it looks like zeus is playing against a fan on stream like it's not close so how do you get people to be like yeah come and watch cloud nine they're so good <laughs> they're not champions currently. so wait you but tell them like, to watch to, to you instead just triple the amount of games that they're going to be playing yeah like, to make you, the players better because then you'll just improve with more games and is it's that not even true just about, so I this mean, is has to be why it doesn't it doesn't so this is a always been something that uh i wanted to believe but i just don't think it's there uh, the idea that, you know, if you play more on stage, you improve more than playing scrims. I think that means you're really bad at practice. Um, you know, like, if you were going to want to learn anything in the world, uh, the best way to do that is, like, not just taking a test over and over again. Like, if I was going to build a chair, and I didn't know how to build a chair, I probably wouldn't want to start the process of building a chair by just straight up trying to build a fucking chair. I should probably, like, learn how to, like, make pieces that go together first and like you know hone my skills and like there's just no basis for the idea that like improvement happens best by just like hard spamming the actual thing that you're trying to do like if you want to learn music you don't just go out and try and play stairway to heaven until you can play stairway to heaven you'll like learn things and improve and then hopefully get better um these players can play league of legends they're just not very good so it's like if you wanted to get better at building a chair, instead of building one chair a week, you'd build three, right? And right, but Olivia Rodrigo didn't take guts and just be like, I want to do a whole new album. And so then she went on tour and started playing all of those songs. She instead went into you know the writing room and recorded a bunch of stuff and developed it over time. The, the whole point is, is that if you want to get better, maybe not just, you know, like practice is a great way to get better. And you can hone your skills in certain situations. You can try certain things, not just grind out additional games on stage. Yeah, so that's that's ultimately the problem. I think people are saying, you know, you, there are improvements you can make on stage. I absolutely agree with that. I, I think, like, there's things that your team's going to do on stage that you don't do in scrims. So there's a healthy balance that you need. I think the idea that best of threes, if you... Because what you're also saying here, BB, is that you're saying also take up more days. Anytime you take up more days, you're going to lose scrim time. Um, and... That is not necessarily conducive to improvement. There's incentives to win now if you're playing on stage versus like improving it better um, because you have to do well in the standings in order to make it to the playoffs or whatever's happening in this supposed bracket that you're making. And so uh, if you're playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, your scrim partner is going to be playing different days because you're probably not playing every single day or something. But, you know, like there's more uptime. So there's just fewer opponents to pick from. Maybe it's not as good of an environment. Who knows? 
there's also this thing that we did before, which is uh, we did go to best of threes for over for for a year or so. It was like I think we came in 2016 summer. We started it and we went through 2017 summer. I believe it was three splits of it. I and think guess it was splits. what? Yeah, three splits. I think it was three splits of it. And guess what? And, and Europe did this too. Actually, they went to best of twos. They experimented with best of twos. We did best of threes. Uh, neither of us did any fucking better internationally. We did it for over a year. We ran this experiment, and, and it didn't fucking matter. Uh, is, is what it ended up being. Um, 2016 summer was not one of our most competitive years. That would be 2018, which was after best of ones. And then 2019, which is when Team Liquid did the best it ever did, was also a- after best of ones. That's also G2's best best ever. Um, I believe that was all best of ones for them as well. The, the, the they would have won worlds of- if they had best of threes, Mark. Oh, you're right. My <laughs> <laughs> they chose yeah, for yeah, his yeah. FPX because... They didn't have enough stage experience after grinding out all year long, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I think best of threes, listen, if you want to tell me that best of threes are more interesting to you and you want to make the argument that you enjoy watching best of threes, you enjoy watching draft adaptations, you think that there's a point to be made that up to optimizing uptime with your best teams and having to bite the bullet about having more uptime with your worst teams is, is better in some way because it keeps, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can argue this somehow, right? Like, but I don't think the competitive angle is, is the way to go. Uh, and, and I'm not sure the financial one is either because I don't think it'll, at the end of the day, um, super sway the needle on like sponsorship revenue. Um, if you want best of threes, I think there's a case to be made, but I don't think it hinges on the two points that, that you've been using. Like I can tell you, BB, here's here's a small, we've been doing bad analogies. This one's bad, but not as bad. If we made Hotline League four hours, our revenue would not double. Uh, in fact, it it would not move very much at all, right? And so, but but I would probably have to pay Mark twice as much, and so I would actually probably end up losing money or maybe losing more money depending on the night. Um, okay. So, this is this is also another point. You guys have spent a lot of time talking about like um, players building fan bases and get growing to like a player or whatever. So if you take someone like Yike on G two. When he plays things like Belveth in Italy, he's like so much fun to watch, and he gets to do these things, especially now in the like playoff LEC format like against Fnatic, where they were able to like take Yone mid on caps because they can afford to drop a game, right? But when you've got these best of ones, you've got like a jungler who maybe is like super good at Kha'Zix, being too afraid to lock in Kha'Zix because if he does plays bad one game, it's over. Like that's a loss on their record. So he's like scared to pick Maokai for his job and like the security right but if you're playing these best of threes you can risk the evelyn you can tell your jungler like okay you're good at champs like Belva. the same argument was used to get rid of relegation and while i think getting rid of relegation was a good thing i think people think like that didn't really end up playing out that way and so i'm not sure if that's how it would work if we did it this way i, I mean I, I think there's some truth to like um you know, in playoffs, you see a game one. Sometimes people are willing to try crazier stuff. And I do think there's also times where you get like a download on your opponent. Like, um, in per- actually, here, here's here's one of the real reasons I think series have more draft flexibility is because you're, you're spending that entire time prepping for that one opponent. Um, and you're working in a much more constrained practice environment. This is one of the reasons practice really matters because I don't have to generally practice the fact that I'm playing against two or three opponents that week. And I can I don't need to play renekton orn blah 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 whatever the five meta tops are in case three get banned i need to pick one i don't know what this guy's gonna do and plus i have another match tomorrow as well if i'm playing one match a week against one specific opponent i get to craft my game plan around that fucking guy 
and you get to see more flexibility and picks and things like that come through, um, as well as the fact, like you said, that there's more chances against that one person. So instead of playing against that guy one time, you play against him at minimum three times if it's best of five or two if it's best of three, right? Um, and I think that's where you do have some credence here, which is if you limit the amount of opponents you have to play in a week and you play against that one opponent more times, you will see more adaptation over the course of a series. And I, I don't disagree with you there. And I think that's one of the things where, again, if you want to make a case for best of threes, this is a good one to make. I think this is a better than the competitive angle because I don't think there's any proof of that. Like, it's it's a, a nice idea, but I don't think there's any proof that playing on stage more um, actually significantly improves players compared to just being better at practice. Um, so, like, I think there's, there's a lot of things you can do to make the draft more exciting. And I actually think best of three is one of them. To, to make drafts more exciting generally across the season. But I don't think you actually want to increase the amount of opponents people have to play a week in a week, because then I think you start getting the same problem where people have to start practicing a lot more generally. Caller, thank you so much Hello. for your time. Uh, is there thank anything you, you want to shout out before we go to the next caller? I do. Shout out to uh, T1. They're my boys. We've had a rough couple of years, but uh, I feel like this is our time. Very good. Have a good one. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye. All right. We got three more callers to go. I think this show's turning out, you know, a little bit more dynamic than we were we were thinking. It's been fun. Uh, it's been miserable. Okay. Um thank you to Tom Shu for the 58 months. Really appreciate it. We've got uh This is our year to choke in final, says Dr. Professor Sergeant Major. Uh all right. Caller is here. Caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Yo, my name is Zextrap, and I'm calling from New Hampshire. Zextrap, what do you want to talk about on the show? So I believe my take was basically going against what you said earlier in the show. The point about developer-controlled esports versus what the MLB and NFL do is that in the MLB and NFL, it's a two-party agreement, specifically with the focus on the competition as a product. And the two parties being the teams and the players versus what esports is, which is a three-party system. And that's between the developer, the teams, and the players. And the focus isn't really on the revenue from the competition itself, but really from the revenue from the game. Because the competition is just marketing for the game. And I just want to say, like, the take that you read from Reddit kind of reads like a recent uh, essay written by... I believe his name was uh, Avi Puyan, who's the... Oh, yeah. Ovi, yes. Uh, the ops guy. So, And he basically says the same thing in terms of the incentives of esports essay. And it kind of reads off just like that. And I feel like he also didn't really do justice to the take because I feel like in the end, he doesn't say that he wants just IPL5 and MOGs, but that he wants a mix of IPL5 MOGs or these kind of passion tournaments as well as riots tournaments because riots tournaments are really cool for stuff like worlds. But if that's all you get, then that's not really the best, but I don't know. I, I think our point uh, just on that last one before getting to the meat of the topic is more that um, it's really hard to have both if you want both because the riot tournaments end up being the like, creme de la creme tournaments and everyone has their domestic leagues that are also operated by riot and getting everything on the same page and leaving room for third party like one-off tournaments that don't feed into worlds and the bigger ones becomes uh really hard to get the best teams to go to them um i think that's that's more what we're saying is like 
you know, it's possible you could have an IPL5 in this day and age, but it would need to be like fully open circuit if you want to do something like that. Um, and, you know, that's that's probably just not going to happen. Okay. I guess because you guys were just shitting a lot on uh, about like, right, and I, our IPL5 being about profit and like, not really, I guess, I don't know. That's that's Well, we were saying that, that part was more that it just wasn't economically viable back then. As much as we all love those tournaments, like, yeah, I, I would fucking want IPL5. It's the greatest tournament ever, arguably, but like, it wasn't like the, that that thing was going to fold. And like Travis's point about MLG was like that was, in his opinion, not economically viable long term. Um, whereas at least like with developer support, the developer foots the bill. Whereas if and it's not making money, but at that, least like the developers getting advertising. Right. Let, that's that's what I kind of want to get at here is X-Trap. Like, like, let me ask you, because this is maybe where I have failed to understand from that Reddit post, the, the argument. What do you think it is that. Why, what is inherent about a publisher or developer being involved in their esports that you think is bad, that actually hurt, that is detrimental to the esport? I mean, so I'm going to like kind of just copy a lot of what the League Ops guy says in the essay because yeah, I also Ovi, read it. Ovi, I know him very um, but, well, uh, but yeah, continue. Yeah. But I mean, he basically says that like based on the revenue that esports lol esports in this case makes is minuscule compared to the revenue that riot makes from the game itself so their focus should be on making sure that the game continues making revenue rather than the esports getting better like i think we've talked about a lot of things and i believe there's a call coming up on this so i won't talk on it too much but like certain things in esports it's like you know, gentlemen's agreements is something that happens in COD or like other things like in Hearthstone where certain cards are banned. Um, these kinds of things to make the game more competitive. If you were to take real life sports, for examples, it's like there are some arguments made that in the WNBA, the hoop should be smaller so that you can have more smash dunks because those are way cooler. It's like these are all these like little changes you can make to make the product more entertaining, the product better, sell more and make the product the key rather than making sure that for Riot, in this case, the eSport is equally representative of the game itself because they want people to see the eSport and then play the game, buy the skins, and get their money. You see how like there's a difference in incentive? But that, that supposes that if Riot wasn't involved, that like the MLGs and IPLs of the world could make changes to the way that the game works to make it more eSports friendly, whereas like... I worry we'd end up in a world where if developers feel like they don't need to be engaged at all on the esports side, you don't even get them building out features like spectator mode and stuff like that, right? Where like things that are required for the nature of the sport or balance yeah. changes that are balanced for the esport, you know? Yeah, I, I think I somewhat agree with the idea that like the NBA's product of basketball, they can tweak the rules to make it better. And like LCS can't a hundred percent do that like we like i don't think there's anything stopping riot from making a fearless mode for their their esports if they want to or like introducing things to make it more interesting but it is true that like the the core of the game we can't change whereas like the nba sometimes is like what if it's a 12 foot rim and everyone's like what the fuck you know like uh that is under their control there's definitely more control but to travis's point um while i agree that is a notable difference between the two ecosystems i'm not sure why a third party organizer would solve those problems unless that's outlined somewhere in there that i'm i'm, I'm missing I think i'm gonna, I'm gonna read this whole thing i just haven't had a chance to read it yet yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm sure I like I I'll post it in chat after you know the link for it. I think it's a pretty good read. Talks about a lot of things that I think are interesting. But I guess specifically what I would say is that right now you have like most recently we had this fight between players and teams with the LCSPA and the NACL stuff. And there's like a third parties here, like, okay, where does the blame go? Does it go 33% each way? Does it go more on one side than the other versus in a two-party system? Like, let's say there was just the 10 franchise teams and they actually just own the LCS and then they would make whatever rule that would be most beneficial for them to make profit versus right now it has to be, okay, Riot also has to make a profit with these rules. And the teams also have to make a profit with these rules, and the players also have to make a profit with these rules. So that can kind of come up screwing over some parties versus the others. I, I obviously don't have, like, an answer, and I think, you know, I, I just thought that when you guys talked about it initially, it was not giving enough credit to the idea that there is actually a divergence of interest between in a, uh, what do you call it, like, riot-controlled, uh, eSport where like they actually don't care as much about the eSport as the actual game itself and for an eSport to actually be successful long-term generational and like a mainstream thing it needs to have uh, that kind of focus on eSport as the product itself so so I'm gonna take let me just dive in really quickly on all this so one I agree that a major issue at every game publisher is that they are not, that their primary product is not the eSport. I totally get that. Um, you see it time and time again with Riot where they are pushing updates so often that you get constant bugs and pauses in the game. They like, if they cared more about the eSport, I think they would do, they would probably push updates less often or release champions less often because of the sheer amount of bugs and, up, and stuff like that, where they don't promote the esport as much as they possibly could, where oftentimes, like I know just in knowing esports people that there's a lot at, at Riot that there's been a lot of times where they wanted to do something and they couldn't because the they couldn't get resources because the resources were like for the game were focused on the game, not on the esport. Totally get that. I don't understand, I guess, and and I we don't have time, it's like could be a whole episode or something like that, but. I don't understand how that changes in a world where Riot is not a party to it, right? Like, I get how in traditional sports it's different, where you have these two parties, but I don't, like, baseball doesn't need a developer to support it. Basketball doesn't need a developer to support it. When you're talking about software, you need somebody who's, like, actually handling the code to do all this stuff. I guess you could talk point at Smash or something like that, where, like, it's just a locked game, or, like, StarCraft, where there's not updates, and you could say like, well, and then those things are just there. But I don't, it doesn't feel to me like those games are massive. The, like it's, it feels like Riot's involvement in League has been beneficial overall in a way that like Nintendo's absence in, Star, in um, Smash has not been. Uh, I think the other yeah. thing is like when I look at the teams in the League, and I know we have some team owners in the chat, so I apologize for saying this. Like I don't wish that the LCS was entirely run by these 10 teams. Like if that had been the case, we would have had the NACL and Academy system leave far earlier than it did. We would have had the, 
we would have had the import rule lifted completely. You would see way more turnover than you have right now. And there have been instances in other esports where teams have just run in, in a, a league entirely by themselves. And I don't think that that has necessarily been a, like a better product. Like I don't look out and see see some product that's being run by like 12 teams that's a league and think, wow, that's so much better than the LCS. Um, and so like it's – I think this – you know, people are going to call me a riot simp or whatever, but like, I really don't see a world where like, uh, having esports publishers and developers invested in the the esport is worse off than having them not invested. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, there's downsides and upsides. Like, you don't get worlds as it exists right now without the developer footing that bill. Like, you know, giant arena with 3D dragon flying in and uh, here's J-Chow and uh, this KDA thing that they're premiering at LCS. Like the idea that there's no developer support and that like Riot doesn't care about the esport is just not true. When you see like, okay, well, they make balance changes explicitly around League of Legends, uh, the, the, the esport. Like a lot of patch notes include pro-specific changes and tweaks and things like that. Like they... There's a whole debate that actually Riot cares too much about the esport, that they balance things too much around the top level of play and should be balanced more around the normie. Like, uh, I've seen that conversation actually a fair amount as well. Um, so, like, there's a lot of effort that goes into the esport and a lot of resources that get pulled in, poured in, where in a environment where you don't have Riot, like you're saying, and the teams exist all on their own and they just run their own little league with their own, like, siloed out version that, like, maybe Riot handed them. And, like, here's... Here's season 13 patch. You play on it for a year, maybe until MSI where we have a, a mid-season update or something, you know, like I'm not quite sure, you know, if that would actually be a better product for fans. Um, is, is it like, what does it do better in that case where you say it's like the, uh, cause like there's, there's tons of problems in these other the games that you're talking about too. It's not like NFL and the NBA are this fucking fairy town where everything's great. Like, yeah, I love watching my teams who have no chance tank. I fucking love watching them just int their whole season for draft picks. That's really cool. And luxury tax. Oh yeah. So we have a sale. We we have a we have this tax thing, but people just fucking ignore it. And all the biggest teams in the the best teams in the region in the, in the world are all from the biggest markets because they can afford to actually pay and keep their players. Like there's a lot of problems in these ecosystems as well um, that you can make cases about. Now they make successful products. They their revenue deals are fucking huge. They they make more money than us. And I'm not saying that like uh, riots better than this or anything but i just mean to say that there's a a lot of uh there's other problems in in other ecosystems as well so like i i'm not sure like i can acknowledge the things that come up because the developer controls the game um, but even to travis's point about like oh they they tweak the game it's like yeah that keeps interest high actually like more, people like watching new things like seasons in video games like path of exile will peak players and players will watch things so changes in games are actually usually good for player retention and siloing it on a single patch is actually bad. Um, and so actually it's good for the esport that the developer updates the game competitively. You can argue that it's annoying for, for players to have to play this fucking much to stay good at their craft. That is very annoying. I agree. It does not feel good for the, the pro players, but you know what they get out of that? Hopefully more money and they're compensated for it because there's more people playing the game than if they just stop touching it and updating it you know, five years ago or something like that, like a melee, which people talk about having long legs. Sure. But the scales are different. This, this also like 
the confusing thing to me about this is we have esports where the developer is less involved, like CS:GO, and there is a third party in all these systems. They're called tournament organizers. Like the ESLs and folks of those worlds are a third balance of power that in this situation is just riot because they are the tournament organizer. But like it, it there's just I one Zextrap. I really do appreciate you coming on the show because I'm. This is one of the better conversations we've had, and I think you're doing a good job of defending maybe the Reddit um, thread that we were maybe strawmanning a little bit at the beginning of the show. But I also just am like, there's so many things that I think people don't think through whenever they think about a uh, a conversation around like, oh, you know, Riot's involvement is just like an anchor around the neck of the sport, like. Which is, I know that's not what you're saying, but that is, I think, what the tone is of some of these conversations. And I'm just like, do you like when MLG used to charge people for 1080p access and pay-per-view of these events? Like, I know there's this big movement now where people are like, oh, you know, Riot made this all unsustainable and uh, we should go back to pay-per-view. And I'm like, dude, in a world of like free Twitch streams, there's no way that you're going to get viewership to be good enough to support this people are not going to go pay ten dollars a month for like a i know some people would before you comment but a lot like <laughs> you would not get to a sustainable point for for these esports off of things like or, that, or you know? would get it to a sustainable point but it's it's diminished in yeah. terms of like what it's offering you right um so um so i, I guess my, yeah. my final question zextrap for you is like and I, I need to read this whole article to see you know what the overall takeaways are because i think that there's plenty of differences worth noting and like Travis said we spent the whole episode talking about the knock-on effects of all these different things and how like you know we have Riot using the esport to push the game and the esport being propped up by the game and like are those a conflict of interest and these sorts of things but I think the, the question that Travis and I are left with is like what is the supposedly better alternative and what does it give you um, because I, I'm not yeah. super sure about that answer yeah I've kind of um, I think you know you guys it was interesting because you guys brought up a point that um, about like buffs and then like argued against it, and I didn't really talk much about it. But I think what I would say in response to your question is like, and the article kind of talks about this is the company ha- a company has a lot of ways to market their game, and esports is one of them. Using content creators is one of them. Putting it on billboards or Twitch ads is one of them. So I think for esports to really stay and to gain strong power in a negotiating table with the developer and kind of not necessarily strongman right but work with the developer to both further not just the game but also the esport is for the esport to be big enough and bring in enough revenue by itself that it's not necessarily maybe self-sustaining but it meets the requirements for like what the developers puts money in it for so in this case marketing and I think uh, that's where I would kind of leave it off with is that I'm not, I don't think like, I'm not saying Riot's doing a bad job and I don't think um, you guys don't think that either. And I think most reasonable people don't. I would just say that for esports to be a, you know, long-term actual thing that spans generations, it needs to be strong enough by itself. Maybe not necessarily as a two-party system, but like, in that three-party system, the esport part has to be strong enough where a company like Riot or a large game developer has to see enough benefit in continuing to invest and continuing to um, kind of also curate their game towards the esports side as well. And I think 
I'll just kind of give a shout out to a caller that's coming up that's going to talk about maybe decreasing champ pools, which is like, I think, a way that, you know, the game esports can shift from something else. But thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the call and thank you for coming on yep. to, to push back on stuff we'd said previously because a lot of callers don't have the courage. They just sit in Twitch chat and they. Say, wow, these guys are so deluded, and they won't actually come on. Zextrap so, owned us with facts and logic. Yes, very true. Thank you so much for the call. We'll catch you later. Uh, could I give a, one shout-out? Sure. Or at least two. Yeah, so you gave, you already gave out. your shout-out to the up. You said my shout-out is to oh, the upcoming caller. Sorry. But I'll give no, you a second shout-out. Yeah. Uh, the first shout-out's to Nine Dots, the biggest Dokla lover. You know, shout-out's Nine Dots. And the second one to the TSM Apex team. They just won the world championships yesterday. So let's go TSM. Nice. Have a good one. Thank you. Let's go TSM to another region. You know what I'm saying? Because they're leaving the LCS. All right. Uh, Mark, you want to grab the next caller? Sure. Uh, <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a stupid joke. I'm trying to make like a dad joke. I'd shout out a sub, but uh, nobody's dropped a prime, so... Now we just sit here in silence while I figure out how to fill while Mark is gone. Uh, I'm going to be at MXP Portland. You live in Portland? Come see me. All right. Uh, Invictus is here. Invictus, where are you calling from? Hi, I'm calling from Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. Where do you? Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Hi, I would like to talk about the fact that Riot has an opportunity to curate gameplay, and that is by adopting a standard rotation. Wait, this is so, not what your take was. Wait, what? Is my take that pro players are stupid and they should know more lore? Wait, Mark, oh, wait. Which, which take should you... I don't know. I, you I didn't even pull you. No, no, no. Travis, here's what Travis happened. Oh, my God. Travis. Okay. Which, this, person's, which this person's display picture is almost identical in color and stuff from whenever you shrink it down a ton to another person whose take I tried to pull. Um, what was the take you tried to pull, Travis, first off? Uh, League of Legends is a whole product with Thrive if played on the live patch. I mean, Holy it's... shit. Wait, so am I so stupid? Like, is, is Travis so stupid that he pulled me and he didn't mean to? Okay, all right, all right. Stupid is, is not oh the term God. that I would use. I just... This is also a little a little rager in, in chat, so I was... I, was, I thought you rager. All right, let him rage. What's, what's your... Go go ahead. No. We'll, we'll try this. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> You've been granted okay. an opportunity. <laughs> oh, I love you both. Okay, so my take is that Riot should adopt a standard rotation. Riot has a better opportunity to curate gameplay and pro play than we understand. Can, and can that, you explain for people who don't know what a standard rotation is? Because I realize that yeah. what you meant now, but you said that in in Discord, and I was like, I don't use by standard rotation. You're you're meaning from the context. Yeah, of a Magic the Gathering player, but not everyone yeah, plays Magic the Gathering. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you, might exactly. wanna, you might want to address people because not everyone yeah. plays Magic the Gathering. This is also why I thought Travis right. pulled this fucking take. <laughs> I didn't know. I literally meant to pull. Yeah. I can't see their name, but I noticed they have like a little red panda. It begins with an M. Twitch or Discord now hides people's names because of the uh, thing. Anyways, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I, I'm not a rager. I'm also not a huge Magic the Gathering player. But so the standard rotation is basically the idea that you can only play the cards that are that were released in the last two years. So this is the way that Hearthstone did it, is that you can only play the expansions that were released in the last two years. 
So you couldn't play like the first rotation that was released in Hearthstone. You can only play the last two years. And I, I don't think that Riot should adopt this exact model. I don't think that you should only be able to play the champions that were released in the last two years. But I think that they should uh, adopt a model where you can only play certain kinds of champions. And I think that this would go a long way to curating the gameplay that you see at the highest levels. Um, you know, for example, you know, no one wants to see Yumi. Uh, no one wants to see Azir Corky. Uh, I'm a top lane player myself. I think that the top lane meta would go a long way if you ban champions like Cassante and Renekton. And then you see a, a much wider diversity of champions you see in the top lane. And I think that they could do this with, with every lane. And, and maybe there's some champions that I'm leaving off. But I think that a standard rotation would go a long way to curating the kind of gameplay that you see at the highest level. So... I think yeah. Let's let's say this less than a rotation. Let's say we have rotating champ pools. Um, okay. And so you have a situation where maybe only half the champions and at any given point in time could be picked. I think my question for you, Invictus, is: Is this not kind of what they already have in some weird way, where like half the champions at any given point in time are not pickable, and then the other ones yeah. are? You know, like like half of them are Wait, not worth playing. Point. So. Well, this is a good point. Yeah, so I think that this actually happened in Last Worlds, I believe, where they thought that not every champ was going to be perfectly playable, and then it turned out that Lucian, I believe, was, like, super OP. I think that the problem with the current um, rotation that they have where every champ is pickable is that they can make mistakes, is that they can not nerf a champion enough, and then it becomes, uh, you know super playable and it becomes a problem in pro play. Um, I think Yumi is a great example. I don't think they intended for Yumi Zeri to be like the most, you know, picked combo for an entire calendar year, but it was anyway. So, I, you know, I think that it goes against the kind of rotation that you're explaining where, you know, only certain champions are really playable. Um, I, I think that they should just ban champions straight out. No, you can't pick Zeri. Sorry, fuck you. You can't pick uh, Yumi either. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't curse. Sorry. I mean, the, no, cha no, no, the no, challenge is usually should, these yeah. broken champions yeah. pop up. Go ahead, Mark. So, no, I was going to say, you're good on the swearing thing. Like, I didn't oh, interject because okay. the swear, I, was, I had my, my own take. Sorry, Travis, you go yeah. and then I'll, I'll, I was gonna I'll, say, I'll lay down the law. I think, <laughs> here, here he goes. So, I think the challenge is, you are right in that oftentimes Riot overbalances a champion or under whatever you want to say. Something's OP. The thing that occurs when you have these types of rotations in card games or in other things like that is like, oh, we're going to push out some of these old these old cards so that you can have a new meta. They aren't able like they your comparison is more like, oh, we're banning this card because it's breaking the meta. Every deck is running it or, oh, we're going to, you know, ban like if you have a a video game or something like that where like the developer doesn't support as an esports. Sometimes they have situations where this champion or this character is just banned in this competitive match because everyone knows it's broken and it's like terrible and nobody wants to watch it. That I think is more and addressing what you're talking about where like, Oh, you mean Zeri or like a new champion came out and it's too strong or something like that. That's a little different than like rotation, right? Like rotation would be like, Hey, in January for the next LCS season, you can't play, these 40 champions, they're all disabled. And like that's not something that's usually something that gets announced months in advance. 
and then last the whole season. It's not something where you can really be reactive to like, oh, we fucked up and made this champion too strong. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of competitive card games actually have both. You have what is like your pool of cards, and then like sometimes things get removed if they're just like giggle busted, right? Like, uh, wasn't Jace like that or something for a little bit? I don't, I don't really play mm-hmm. the fuck magic or whatever. But um, I Jace think the, the minds, yeah, sculptor. Yeah, whatever. Um, I think the the general sentiment behind this is one that I've seen echoed a lot of places, which is that they just want more champion diversity in watching League of Legends. I think mm-hmm. there is a concern about doing it the right way because i think while it's a noble goal to increase diversity done poorly will really piss off the pro players because they can't play the strong things when they like Mm -hmm. know they're strong and they're trying like this is their life and you're just like changing what they can play willy-nilly on them or something could be irritating and i think also for fans you you do want to watch the highest form of league of legends played and a lot of people are watching esports travis i think you did a poll and I don't remember, it wasn't necessarily the majority, but it was like 30% or more people watch esports with like one of their attractions being like knowing that this is the highest level of the game possible being played. Yeah, and like we when did I something see, like that, yeah. Yeah, like when Heimerdinger's picked bot lane at Worlds last year, everyone's like, what the fuck is this? And then it's busted. Mm-hmm. And then you have Heimerdinger's running all over solo queue. And there's there's always a spike in a champion when Faker plays it. You know, like people <laughs> see this and they want to do that. And I think if you disconnect the esport from the average player's experience, there becomes a friction that uh, I don't know if Riot wants to dive into. And uh, as well as the fact that I don't even know if fans want want that in, in the end. I think worlds, you probably don't want these things. I think there's a case to be made that there's a time and a place for it. Like maybe regular season, you get a little wackier and force people out of their comfort zone so you don't get these like sloggy metas where the, the, you can predict the first three picks every single fucking draft and you just want to like bash your head in the wall like you see cage roll and ls like gouging their eyes out like you definitely don't want that so i do think there is a good incentive to find a solution but i do think you have to be very clever about how you do it so you don't bump into that other problem there's like a sweet spot you got to find yeah i think the only way to do this is if you do it in ranked as well where it's Mm. it's it's actually like the rank if you're playing solo queue all 40 of these champions don't exist in solo queue for you so because you do need to have it mirror and that I think is the analogy. Wait, I so think, okay, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you, you go first. No, 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 no. I, no, I was go. just gonna ask. I was just gonna ask a question. So it seems like Mark and, and Travis actually disagree here. So it seems like Travis believes that if there would be a standard rotation, then it should carry over to solo queue. But it seems like Mark doesn't have that opinion. So like, if if Azir and Corky are banned, in I think Pro Mark play, is saying you want the solo competitive queue. experience to mirror the average player experience. Oh, no, and I'm agreeing with him and saying, yeah, so the way to solve that is to actually do the same band system and ranked. Yeah, I, I'm saying I, that there's okay. I, I'm saying you have to be a little careful with what you do with it. Like a fearless draft radically changes how anyone who plays League of Legends can can engage with that esport because you can't do a fearless draft when you log into the client, right? Um, right. and it's a cool idea, but it does push the product further away from the average player. Whereas what Travis is saying is like, you're right, so you should actually just do both. I think you you can make unique things in pro sports or pro like pro league of legends. I would say, as an example, as a way to not piss off the players and the teams, let's say you play on live patch, but the teams at the start of a week could vote, and if eighty percent of the teams or seventy percent of the teams said, "Yeah, fuck Zeri," mm-hmm. she's out, and then there's just these kind of global agreed upon bans. 
Um, it doesn't quite do as much as you like a standard rotation does, which is what you want, which is like really shake up the meta and like force people to rediscover everything from the ground up. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a hard one because like Travis is saying, I think you'd have to implement that on client side as well and make that like a holistic new approach to how you play League of Legends. And maybe it's worth it now that they have 160 fucking thousand, six champions in the game, you know, like limiting um, that and it can drive sales because like, hey, this is like my, my favorite champions out now. And that's like a big incentive for card games. I know, um, which is like, you got to get the new thing. And what? You know, there's, there's no, no way. No uh, way. That's not uh, why they do it. Right. It's by the way, not after, a stream, incentive. after the show, we'll be streaming Wild of Eldraine, uh, sponsored by Wizards of the Coast. And, Magic the and it's definitely not for money that they, they've pump out new cards left and right and make other cards irrelevant, you know, because they, they want you to play new ones. No. Uh, but like you can sell the developer on that idea potentially. So I think I think there's multiple solutions that could work. I think the more radical of a solution you come up with, the more it needs to be integrated into the main game. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Hey, Invictus, thank you so okay. much. We're over time on an episode we thought we were going to go short on, which happens every okay. time Mark and I ever talk about going short on an episode. So, <laughs> will you, uh, yeah. anything you want to shout out? Yeah, I mean, shout out to my other take, which is that uh, pro players should know lore, and people like Travis and Mark should know lore as well. Um, shout out to Travis's beard and Mark's hair. It's really great. Uh, shout out to the best, uh, the best ads, you know, alien wear and tidy cats. Uh, thank you guys. Yeah. What, uh, you. Here, here's what yeah. I'll say as, as he leaves. Okay. <laughs> I actually love lore. I am actually such a fucking lore nerd. Travis knows this and Travis is too with the Cosmere, with world of Warcraft, um, dark souls. Like I will devour your lore if you give it to me. Riot has fucked me over. I Yo, was so invested 100%. in their lore. 100%. The amount of times I, I, where they've I, retconned or they've redone stuff or they they have system... That's why, like, Arcane is now the only thing I I enjoy. Because, like, they'll release a champion... And that's not even canon, as far as I know, right? Like, that's not even technically canon for the game Dude, world. Dude, what is canon? Like, they they have no canon. Like, they, they release a champion and they're like, here's this lore for this champion... And then five years later, you find out like, oh, no, 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 that's not the lore. That's not actually it. Uh, and they and in the meantime, they will have laid off. They've gone through two different lore teams because they laid them all off and then they hire new ones and then they lay those <laughs> and off. And this person's like, ones. I have such a better idea. Dude, when Rise started collecting the world stones and I was like, is this like Avengers? Is this going to be like Infinity War? And then I just like, in, I don't know what fucking happened. You know, like what happened with that? I don't know. I was I was down for that. And I just can't do it. I just like so Invictus no is back because Invictus says you guys are dumb as fuck about Lord. Drag my ass back in. Drag me back. What do you want, uh, Invictus? Yeah. I'm gonna drag you out as soon as I want. You're on borrow time. Yeah. So you, wait. So, so so what did you say about Rise with the World Rings? You guys don't even understand like this lore. It's like the most basic. No, I understood it, and then they just fucking changed everything else around it, dude. Like I I bought what the did they physical change? copy. I what bought did they the change? physical. Okay, so they totally got rid of the Journal of Justice. They got rid of the actual fact that summoners exist in the lore. Was they that changed... ever canon? Yes. That's a stupid part to be canon. Yes. Come on. All right. You don't... Okay, hang on. So wait, because gonna... we were here before you, our old man opinions suck, and we should get reinvested in new lore every it's three years. Invictus? They rewrote the lore in 2017 or 16 or whatever, and it's been canon since. Like, you just can't follow the lore in the last six Invictus? years. Invictus? I'm going to tell you... You are, quote, dumb as fuck about lore. I'm going to drag your ass back out, drag you this out. This guy didn't even know that Journal of Justice and Summoners were lore and canon. He didn't even know. He didn't get him out of here. 
Get these fucking new bloods out of here. They no lore. He's gone. It's over. All right. Uh, and they have absolutely retconned things since 2016. To pretend that they did like one massive rewrite and then like, oh no, the lore has been settled since then is a joke. Is Serafina still like using the blood of dead? No, 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 no. Starner? They realized that sounded bad. Uh, so no. Dude, they like that's a perfect. When did that character come out again? Like that they have they changed this shit all the goddamn time. Bro, like the Darkens and like, oh, here's another new Darken who's like the scariest thing ever. And like, fucking, I don't care. And like, Arcane is Kiana's great. Law got a full, full retcon. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure they changed Ionia and Demacia as well again. Like, I don't know, man. I just can't care. And then like the lore events they put in the client aren't even that good. Like fucking Sentinels or like the dating, like the, the first dating sim was fine. Whatever. It wasn't canon lore. And then they try to do canon lore and it's it's like, what is happening here? You know, I tried playing fucking Rune King and Mage Seeker in these games, and they're fine. But like, nah, dude, what they what they should they should just like I here's what I'll say: it is a miracle that Arcane is good. Like that is what is the most impressive thing to me is that they made. I have never seen such an amazing story driven product built out of the garbage of a creative heap. Mark, you're not even paying attention. You're, no, you're I, 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 I agree. Uh, it's just because he's like, this is all canon. And it's like, they literally just changed Janna. <laughs> you cannot follow this stuff because they change it all the time. So it, it makes it... it you, here's you, what it you is. can. You can watch Necrit videos every day of your life and you will be up to date. But you know what? I can also just watch one Elden Ring video and it will be relevant forever. And it won't ever change. Here's the thing. They bring... These the champion lore in, and it's around for like a year, and then they decide that the champion lore is not doing well, so they send the champion lore back, and then they okay. bring in new champion lore. Does this sound familiar? And, and guess what? I guess the the Janna change didn't happen. Oh my bad. I guess across the multiverse fractal society of League of Legends and Riot Games, different lore happens in different worlds. You know, like God forbid, there's one canon lore that is the only thing you need to follow like guess what i don't fucking like fate zero infinity blade works fucking dipshit and multiverse thing there either i don't like that i like the one give me the one lore that's good i literally like mark and i will that someday if they ever fucking stabilize this shit and create a cohesive canon and teach us that they're not going to change it all the time mark and i will be like we'll have necrit jr uh, YouTube channel essentially because Mark and I only like that's our big thing besides uh, this show and League of Legends is we do you know fantasy lore sci-fi lore stuff and it's a isn't it fascinating how us the biggest nerds on this stuff can't do this with League of Legends our main thing we can't combine the two you know Mark go grab the next caller all right J Mac, thank you for the prime. Sixteen minutes ago. Yeah, I I don't. I think it's crazy that people think this. Okay, Numi is here. Numi, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show. What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? I was going to talk about LCS Game Changers, how it's a place for marginalized genders to compete, uh, cast, and observe. But I'm really heated about Mark saying that Fate Zero is not good. So I'm trying to cool off from that for like 20 No, seconds. Fate Zero is legitimately one of my favorite anime. I just think that like it's nerfed by the fact that it has to tie into this larger, broader story that sucks. 
I've read Tsukihime, so I disagree on that, but moving on. Um, LCS Game Changers is currently happening right now. It's being played on Saturday, starting at 1 p.m. PST, streamed on LCS Twitch themselves. And I think it's a really cool opportunity for marginalized genders, so not just women, but other genders, to compete in a competition. And I really love the fact that there's three teams that are actually kind of working with LCS affiliate teams, TL, GG and NRG working with these three teams and the teams themselves are actually like advertising themselves, marketing, they have a whole campaign. It's actually really cool and I don't know if a lot of people know about it so I kind of wanted to come in today and be like please watch LCS Game Changers on Saturdays. It's pretty awesome. No, I really appreciate you calling it out. I think we we were, Mark and I talked about having somebody on, we haven't done it yet, to, to talk more in depth on it for an episode and it just didn't happen for, for this one but uh, you coming on and promoting it, I think is great. Uh, if anything, I've just been, it's actually kind of wild if you compare the Val Game Changers to the League Game Changers. Uh, I don't think Nas and, and Needham are ever going to do another interview with me again, but if they did, I would definitely be like, hey, you guys talk about League and Val, you know, both getting love, but like the the Val Game Changers is so promoted and hyped and like talked about and I, they just kind of, sometimes I worry they just do the League one so that they can say they do it, so... Numi, give us more optimism because I'm more pessimistic about. I, I wish Riot did more here, but but you know, what what are the, any of the cool storylines or what's going on? What's what's interesting? Honestly, like if you're just looking at just broadcast talent themselves, Pastry is actually casting LCS Game Changers. So if you do miss Pastry casting, he is casting on Saturdays. You have two other casters by the name of Camcom and Jollycast. And I think all the three teams have really, really cool marketing. And I don't know if this has been mentioned as well, but Parth's uh, part, like former TSM Parth, uh, has a company by the name of Saito. And they're actually partnering with these teams to give not only the players, but also coaches and marketing the advertising team. Just a a lot of feedback and insight about like, hey, here's how you do a team, like here's how the marketing works. And I think it's just a really cool collaboration between Riot, a third party company, in this case Parth and his company, and teams just to work together for competition, broadcast, observing as well. I, I think observing is a really like underrated topic that can be spent on something completely different. But there's just a lot of cool opportunities for marginalized genders. And I don't know if everyone's complaining like, oh, I miss Worlds, like I want international competition, LEC is done. Well, yeah, you can watch LCS Game Changers. And they actually have like a real life finals in LA in the Riot Games studio for free. And I think I just checked tickets or at least like the seats, at least half of them are like sold out. So that's a really cool opportunity. Can you remind us when that is? Uh, let me look. I have the thread up right now. Because I know it's uh, it's coming up soon. I think this is most... Uh, September 23rd. September 23rd. September 23rd. Yeah, I think it goes for almost about a month. Because I think it, it's been going on for the last two weekends. Am I correct on this, Numi? Uh, two or three. Yeah. I'm going to link Parth's thread right now in Twitch chat. Just him talking about all these teams and like some storylines. Yeah, thank you. And if you can let... Uh, Jordan, no, I'm sure she can put that in the uh, the YouTube comments or YouTube description as well for the episode. So, uh, yeah, go check out Game Changers. I think it's really cool. I I I hope that Riot grows the the league one over to be I think as prominent and as exciting as as what we've seen them do on the Valorant side. Because yeah, I do think it it's a little hidden away right now, which is a little disappointing, but. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Numi, for calling in and promoting. Uh, anything else that you want to shout out here? Uh, nothing much. I'll link um, the 
If you're in Los Angeles, please support these teams. I think it's really cool, like really interesting opportunities. Um, yeah, shout out, shout out Twitch chat. Y'all are y'all y'all really active right now <laughs> for like today. So shout out Twitch chat. Yeah, very good. Thank you so much for uh, calling in. As always, really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. I appreciate it because I've also just been like under a rock. Like I, I had no idea because I'm just like DJing gaming and ignoring life. Yeah, we we really need to get somebody on for to talk about it. I think Mark and I have been trying to figure out what to do with these episodes while there's not much going on, and I think that that'd be a a good episode. Um, so maybe maybe next week we'll we'll look into it. Uh, no promises, but we'll see if people are available. All right, Mark, how conscious are you right now? You seem like you woke up over the course of the episode. I mean, some of these these takes were pretty fun, so. Uh, I definitely got fired up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything you want to promote or plug? Uh, nope. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, Hey, that was great. I really appreciate that. That you really, you did a lot there. Okay. Uh, for me, I want to promote a couple things. Uh, one, I will be at, MXP, well, first off, I will be in two weekends from now at Magic Vegas, the 22nd to the 24th. So if you're there, please say hello to me. I will then be at MXP Portland, uh, October 13th to the 15th. After that, if our Command Fest Portland, it's MXP slash Command Fest Portland, October 13th to the 15th. I will then be at Worlds in Seoul. So come say hi to me there. From October, I think the 15th or the 16th, all the way through, I believe, the 25th or 26th is whenever I'm there. Then I will be at MTG Summit in Salt Lake City, October 27th through the 29th. So I'm going to be out there. Please come say hi to me. They're all really cool events if you live in, in any of those areas. They're all fantastic. Worlds is great, by the way. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one, but it's uh, it's a little... I don't want to dismiss MXP Portland, uh, MTG Vegas, or, or, or MTG Summit in Salt Lake, but Worlds might take the cake on the four of those. But I'm going to be at all those things. Please come see me at those things. Play Magic with me at the Magic Ones and say hi and, I don't know, photobomb my interviews in, in Seoul. So... That's it, everyone. We'll have a surprise test going up this week. I'm probably going to do another video because I've been doing some stuff with Drew. You guys have been seeing those, me sitting down in my living room and talking about stuff. Thank you, Mark, for coming on. Yeah, I love this show. Yep. He says that sarcastically, but I think he actually does mean it, just for people who don't believe it. Anyway, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.